When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are live. We have the man, Mac Brown, with us. Running, just had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're here. We're ready to go. We got Coach back. Last year, you were the number one ranked show we did. We had to have you back on, Coach. Appreciate you joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Langston. Everybody's bragging on how I'm doing with Zoom and how I'm doing with Twitter and Instagram, and then I can't get on the show. Well, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to we hit the button. Sally had to pull me out. Hey, that, that's what, hey, whatever it takes, we're just glad you're here with us. Hold on, let me hit the theme music. We'll get started. Thanks. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of Talking Preps, season two of High School Football Show. I got my man, Dale Ross, my man, Chris Hughes, and the coach, Mac Brown, North Carolina. Welcome back, coach. Glad to have you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate all the things you all do for high school football in our state, and even more so now, because so many young people are having trouble being seen uh, that it's yes. uh, it's never been more important than than to talk about and and really honor high school uh, student athletes and now. Yeah, well, well, again, we're glad to have you. And I was looking online today. You are really good for UNC football business since the beginning of your second era. UNC last year, UNC generated fifty million dollars revenue in a budget surplus of nineteen million. Seven and six the first year, eight and four last year. You go to the Orange Bowl. With QB Sam Howe returning, the expectations are really, really high for you guys this year. But before we get to football, I want to ask you about Texas because you coached in Texas. There's been a, you know, everybody knows about the winter storm and the power outages in Texas. Um, just what are your thoughts about what happened in your old state? And I don't know if anybody you know has been affected, but just generally, what are your thoughts about everything that's happened? Well, Langston, it, it's really been sad at, at a year where we've uh, we've got COVID, we've got so much social injustice going on, and and we've got people out of houses, we've got people out of work, we've got people that can't eat, can't feed their kids. Uh, we're losing people to, to COVID. Um, then you have a winter storm that stops the vaccine from, from being distributed and, and also force people to, to get cold and, and not be able to eat. We have a, a son out there uh, and two grandchildren and, and it, uh, his wife, uh, Lauren, uh, they lost electricity, but thank goodness they're safe. They, they lost their water at one point. They've had to boil water. And we've got so many friends in Texas that, that we've tried to call and keep up with them and, and pray for them and keep our thoughts with them. But uh, uh, Americans are strong and people are strong. And they're going to stand up for each other and fight for each other and, and make sure everybody's safe. So uh, we're even looking at uh, uh, some possible uh, ways to possible different ways to raise money to try to help the, the people in need right now. That's a wonderful thing. Um, Dre Bly told me before that you were one of the best coaches in texting he's ever seen and that you use emojis. 
I just wonder what's the reaction you get when you hit the players with the emojis and all the texting and stuff, because I'm sure they're not expecting that coming from you. You know, when they see this old guy that throws the emojis out, it, it does throw them off a little bit. They laugh and they enjoy it and they have fun with it. You got to remember too, Dre's only worked for one coach. So when we talk about I'm the best, I'm the only one he's ever worked for. So uh, that may not be as big a compliment as he would think. <laughs> Absolutely. When you were on in the spring, we talked about the class of 21, and you felt like it was the best class of players in, in total maybe the state's ever seen. You got the lion's share of those guys, and many of those, many of those guys have enrolled early. What have you seen so far? What do you like? We've got 12 of those young recruits in as early enrollees, and uh, tomorrow will be the first day that the staff is really going to be able to work with them. But we've seen them run. We've seen them lift, and they're really good. And, and the other guys that are coming in in May are equally as good. We just haven't seen them yet. Uh, but I, I think this class is um, everything that it was hyped up to be. And that's one thing you always worry about. When you sign a class, or, or do they get more publicity than production? And that's what we've told these young guys. You need to be as good in your third and fourth year as people say you are coming out of high school. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch them in spring practice. We start uh, March 23rd. Uh, they're learning what to do now. Uh, they, um, they've handled the Zoom classes. They, they've handled the, the COVID workouts. They wear a mask while they work out. I've been really, really impressed uh, with the 12 guys that are here. Hey, Coach Brown, good to see you and great to have you back here on the show. Uh, I wanted to piggyback off that last question, though, Coach. I feel like UNC got two of the best recruits in the entire nation in two Charlotte guys, Power Eccles at linebacker and Drake May. To me, I feel like both of those guys are what I think of Sunday type of NFL football players. And just I want to see what you've seen in those two so far and how you feel like they're fit, they're fit with your purpose. Chris, I, I agree completely. The first thing we've got to do is compliment the, the high school football coaches in this state because these guys are working hard. They're, they're in great shape. They're, uh, they're going through the off-season program so well. We actually keep the young ones separated from the older ones just so they can learn the techniques and, and, and not push themselves too much to, to try to uh, overheat or, or get in a position where they, they aren't comfortable and they're moving so fast, they're trying to compete rather than learn, because we want them to learn to do both. Uh, but Power is fast, he's quick, he's uh, such a hard worker. You know, his, his dad and mom were athletes, and uh, dad's a coach, so um, he, he was raised that way, and, and everybody knows the May family. I mean, Mark uh, was a graduate assistant for me after being a great quarterback here at, at North Carolina. Um uh, Luke played here, brother played baseball, Luke played basketball here, brother played baseball down at uh, Florida, um, mom played here. So they're, they're, just, uh, they're just an athletic family that loves the University of North Carolina, and, and uh, I can't wait to see both of them compete for jobs this spring. Coach, next week we're going to have Sam Howe come on the show here and talk a little football with us. I wanted to get your thoughts as Sam heads into his junior season and, and what looks to be like a legitimate Heisman can, uh, candidate campaign at the very least. Uh, you've coached a Heisman Trophy winner before, so you know what it looks like uh, to see a true Heisman winner. I just wanted to see if you think Sam's on that kind of a track. Chris, I really do. He's improved so much the first two years, and some people are worried about Sam going into his junior year trying too hard. He'll probably be a top-round draft choice next year and definitely right now considered a top Heisman candidate. Uh, but that he's not built that way. 
He's not going to worry about publicity. He wants to play and he wants to win. And he understands the only stat that's really important for a college football quarterback is is uh, winning. And he wants to win all the games and he wants to win the national championship. And, and that's who Sam is. Probably the biggest difference I've seen in him over the last two years is his ability to lead. When he walks in a room right now, they all turn and look. And that's who your quarterback needs to be. Uh, and he works as hard or harder than anybody on our team so he can challenge other guys. And when he does that, the other older guys step up and do the same. And I think the biggest difference in our football program right now uh, than it was two years ago is, is the, the leadership uh, and the, the confidence because these guys are working really, really hard. And uh, Langston said it early, the expectations are much higher, but that's what we want. We, we want to expect to win every ball game. And somebody said, well, Florida, people got mad when you lost Florida State last year. We're at a point now where people are going to get mad if we ever lose to anybody. What they've got to understand is we're more mad than they are. And, and it's really disappointment more than being angry or uh, because we expect to win all the games. And uh, if you look at the playoffs, the, the NFL playoffs, they all had great quarterbacks. And, and the Super Bowl had two of the best ever to play. If you look at the college football playoffs and the national championship, they all had great quarterbacks. Yes. So it used to be all about defense and kicking game, and you had to control the ball and all that. Now you got to score some points, and, and we've got a quarterback that can do that. Well, Coach, uh, Sam, Sam's phenomenal at quarterback. Everybody in the country seen that. But what really allows him to do the things he does and make the, the big gains that he makes is that offensive line. Your offensive linemen are pretty much returns intact this upcoming year, but it did allow 30 sacks last year. Uh, what are your expectations for those guys up front and in keeping Sam upright so he can do the things that he does? Yeah, Chris, we, we look very closely at why we had those sacks. And um, – some of them were running backs that, that didn't protect well enough. Some of them were Sam holding the ball too long. Some of them were a tight end in protection, and those the guys don't block as much. Um, so some up, maybe we didn't get out of the, the right play. So a lot was attributed to the offensive line, and it wasn't all their fault. So we really, really are pleased with those guys. They're, they're, we need to get more depth. Uh, we'd like to rest them some because uh, we've been playing with six or seven. We'd like to play with eight to ten. Uh, but we, uh, we've got all those guys back next year in the same system as they've been in the last two years. Only lost Charlie Heck really out of that group over the last two and now going into the third year. And at the same time, we, we could have them for another year because um, three of those guys are, are what we're calling super seniors that could come back for an extra year. So Brian Anderson, Marcus McKeithen, Brian Anderson at center, Marcus McKeithen at right guard, and Jordan Tucker at right tackle all could come back for two years uh, if they would like to and decide they want to go to graduate school. Uh, and obviously they could go into the workforce or have a chance to play in the NFL as well. So we've got to look for replacements for those guys, but we feel like that the offensive line should be a really uh, a real strength for us next year. Coach, again, I want to thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, you inspire me. And I'm an NC State guy, so uh, that's got to be a huge compliment for you because I really enjoy listening to you talk. Thank you, uh, Dale. 
these questions kind of lead into my question. You know, Sam is a phenomenal player. I love watching him play. And you, as you say, you got to have a good quarterback. But I think quarterbacks are good or are better if they have a good run game, if you have a good run game. And you had a pretty decent run game last year. Uh, but you're losing to Carter and uh, Williams. And the question is, what do you um, – how do you think you're going to be able to uh, overcome that? Uh, will you have depth at that position? Adele, you're you're exactly right. Um, the the two running backs were uh, one of the best running back tandems in the history of college football, yes. and we were able yes. to really run the ball and run the ball well, and that let us protect better and made them drop the safeties down and left us one on one outside with really good receivers like uh, Deami Brown. Um, and, and we're losing 4,000 yards of offense. When you start looking at De'Ami Brown from Charlotte, you start looking at Michael Carter and, and um, Javante Williams, those guys are all really good. Now, everybody else is back, but you lose those guys. Uh, you don't just replace those guys. So uh, we, we understand that. But what we, we were fortunate enough to do is, is use the transfer portal for only one player to this point, and, um, and, and that's Ty Chandler. Uh, who's the, I think, the sixth leading all-purpose yardage uh, gain guy in, in Tennessee history. Um, and we think he's really good. So so he'll come in this spring, and he's already here, uh, but we'll get to watch him. And, and Larry Porter, our new secondary coach, will get to coach him. And then you've got the guys that are already here. And, and we felt like uh, we saw uh, British Brooks and Josh Henderson in, in the Orange Bowl, but uh, – uh, D.J. Jones is a young man from Fayetteville that was a freshman that uh, uh, broke his foot uh, and didn't get to play in the bowl game. We think he has a chance to be a, a really good player. Uh, you've got uh, Elijah Green that was a, a freshman that didn't play a lot last year from Atlanta. And then, interestingly enough, this spring we've got Caleb Hood, the outstanding quarterback coming in from Richmond County that's uh, 232 pounds and ran 4-4 and squats over 400 pounds. And He's just got to learn how to be a running back because he, he was a running back at quarterback with the ball under his arm. Uh, and, and then you've got uh, Camaro Edmonds coming in in, uh, in May. So we, we feel like we've got enough bodies there. Uh, we've just got to figure it out. And Robert Gillespie did a, an outstanding job last year of knowing when to put Michael Carter in and when to pull him out and use Javante. And, and they had a great one-two punch. Uh, but we do feel like that right now we got a lot of experience coming back at wide receiver, especially with Bo Corrales coming back for an extra year. Uh, but the running back position is by far uh, the most inexperienced position on our team. You mentioned Hood, and I'm a big fan of him. I, I think he's going to have a great career at uh, Chapel Hill, and I will not be surprised to see him playing on Sundays. Uh, uh, I'm I would a guy say or you – yeah. So I used to be um, a huge fan of a seven nothing ball game. Uh, and still I don't mind because I like watching all the, uh, the strategy of, of such a, uh, a low scoring type ball game, but to get into that, you got to have a good defense. And last year I would say that was one of the things that kind of kept you guys from going up to the next level, but you're returning 10 starters. Uh, how do you feel about uh, your defense this uh, upcoming season? Well, we, we lose another great player from Charlotte, uh, Chaz Surratt, who, who we think will be drafted very high. I'm, I'm actually going on uh, 
NFL Network this weekend just to talk about those those four or five guys that we lose, Daz Newsom. So we, we've lost some some really talented guys on offense we talked about. But uh, Chaz is the only person that we're losing on defense. Eugene Asante came in as a young linebacker that hadn't played a lot and uh, led our team in tackles in the Orange Bowl. So we feel like that uh, with guys that you're talking about that could back up, Cedric Gray from Charlotte or Power Eccles from Charlotte or or Rara Dilworth, uh, um, you, you got uh, Cadre, you, you got a lot, Cadre Jackson, you got a lot of guys there that have a chance to step up and play this spring. Uh, and we need to get more linebackers to play instead of just the two that we've been playing over the last two years. So spring's going to be really, really important to us. But I, I thought they'll probably the most improvement um, didn't come from linebacker because uh, Jeremiah Gimmel and Chas Surratt have been around. But we started playing better up front. We had better gap control. We played with lower pads. And a lot of young guys helped us at the end of the season to, to hang in there. And then we started playing better in the secondary because we'd had so many injuries in the secondary. And Storm Duck gets hurt at Boston College and doesn't get to play anymore last year. And, and, and then um, Kyler McMichael, the transfer from Clemson, hurts his knee, and he misses a couple of games. Um, and then you start looking at um, uh, Don Chapman, uh, got hurt at, at safety, and he was out for a couple of games. So uh, we, we've got to get enough depth in that area that uh, we can stay healthy. But our communication was so poor in our secondary in the Wake Forest game, we just had some people wide open. Uh, I, I told Coach Bateman and Coach Bly, just get one of them close enough uh, to, to the receiver that I can see who to yell at. Because some of them, some of them are so, so wide open, we, it, it looked like we had no clue what we were doing back there. And after that, we settled down. I think we started doing a little less. We communicated better. And our defense played well enough to win against Miami and against Texas A&M at the end of the year. Mac, as a fan of this state and the state of North Carolina and high school football in this state, it really makes me smile to hear you talk about some of those guys like the Raw Rod Dilworth and, and obviously the Eccles and so many of those in-state guys uh, just, just because of the emphasis that you guys have put on the, on the state of North Carolina and the recruiting department. And speaking of recruiting, and I think this is one question that a lot of UNC fans are curious about, is how many upcoming recruit, recruiting classes do you think it's going to take uh, for you guys to be competing? And how far away do you think you guys are from competing with the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Ohio State to the world, and, and in particularly Clemson? Chris, I think we're getting closer every day. The 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 biggest question mark in, in my mind has been quality depth. You look at Clemson, they're, they're too deep, three deep in some places with guys that can play. And then you start beating teams badly enough. Everybody gets to play. So your morale's better. Uh, you stay healthier because you've got top players playing fewer plays. But those backup guys are starting to get so much better that if a top guy does get hurt, you've got someone to, to fill in, especially on defense. And, 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 and that's where the Alabamas and the, the Clemsons are so good. Now, they're good on offense, and they've got speed. But our offense was as good as anybody in the country last year. So we could have played with anybody on offense, uh, by and large, all the time. Right now, we probably couldn't beat those teams every week. But, but we're getting closer. And, and uh, I believe in that saying that uh, uh, you don't have to be better than a team uh, ten straight times. Just you have to be better the day you play them. And, and we had a chance to beat Clemson two years ago when we came down to a, a two-point play with a minute 19 left. Uh, so uh, that, that's our goal. Clem, Dabo's done a tremendous job. He, he's uh, 
He's separated. He and Alabama and a few others, Ohio States, have separated from everybody else in college football. And uh, our, our goal is to win the Coastal. Um, our, our goal is to, to win the conference championship and, and go to the playoff and win the national championship. And, and, and we recruit with that attitude. And we've told the players that uh, we want to win the national championship with a team predominantly with players from high school players from the state of North Carolina. And our footprint is from D.C. to Atlanta. Uh, and we've gotten some great out-of-state players, but we want them to be close enough, by and large, that their their parents, their friends, and their high school coaches can drive and watch them play. And uh, and that's just the way we recruit. Langston touched on this a second ago when we was talking about Dre Bly and his his com- compliments of you of of you know being able to text message and use emojis. And I think that that's really important in in being on the level with the recruits. Uh, but I also wanted to ask, what did you guys learn about the recruiting methods during this pandemic? We all use Zoom calls, and obviously we're right here using a, a platform as well. But how have you found more ways to be efficient in recruiting and maybe even coaching throughout the, the course of this pandemic? Well, Chris, it's it's a great question. And, and number one, you, you go back to when I was announced at North Carolina, a lot of people said I was too old. I was a grandpa and I am a grandpa and I'm very proud. And We've got six uh, great grandchildren and I, uh, six grandchildren that are great, not great grandchildren. I'm not that old yet. Uh, but it, uh, what, what I've, I've learned, which is what I thought, is there's not a generation gap in coaches that are a little bit more experienced than others. Um, it, it's really a, a communication gap. And young guys want to be good. They want to compete. Uh, they want you to care about their music. They want you to care about their lives. They want you to be able to, to communicate with them through text message and Instagram and, and tweeting and such. Um, and recruiting is totally built on relationships. And what we've learned is that the, the hardest thing for us right now is I, I asked Lonnie Galloway the other day, why don't you go ahead and take this young guy? And he said, I've never met him. I don't even know what he looks like. I've, I've talked to him on FaceTime. And, and when you're evaluating, which you all do so well, uh, we used to have them in camp. We could walk, go watch them play. We could have them on campus. We could sit them in my office and, and we could talk to the parents and, and see if we liked them, see if they liked us, see if they fit. And right now you can't do any of that, Chris. So uh, the biggest thing that we've been trying to do is uh, just have a lot of contact with the guys, uh, FaceTime them and their families as much as we can or have Zooms with them and their families and just talk to them and get to know them. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, they can come and walk around our campus on their own, or if they know one of our players, they can visit them, but we can't speak to them on campus. We can't have any communication with them when they're on campus. Um, and and I, I just hate that. And I know COVID's been really, really tough for everybody, and it's hard for our state health department to figure out exactly what's safest and what's fair. And it's hard for the NCAA, but I can't wait to, to get it so we can have the 22s on campus. Uh, we, we need to have them in our camps. We need to have them around. I wish we could go watch them play. We're, we're going to have to do a tremendous job uh, over the next month or so uh, of taking the video of their games and cutting up the positive plays and, and the plays that weren't so good. So we can try to figure out who they, these guys are because in our state, there's a lot of hidden players normally that you can find if you're in every school like we are. It's harder to do that right now. So 
uh, it, it's definitely been more of a struggle uh, getting to know them, uh, plus getting to evaluate them, but also for the families to get to evaluate us. And, and, and uh, I can't wait for that day to, to come back. And that, that response kind of leads into this question I wanted to ask you. A few moments ago when you was responding to Dale, you used that term uh, super senior uh, for the NCAA's seniors that, you know, they granted that extra year of eligibility. You almost really have two freshman classes now, uh, the ones from the 2020 year and the ones from this year. How does that affect your class, a 22 class? Uh, we've heard you use the term roster management a lot. Uh, how, how do you manage all of these young men as they move into the program moving forward? Chris, it's crazy. Uh, uh, we, we just said we've got certain seniors that are in there last year. So uh, Tamon Fox, uh, Tyrone Harper, uh, Hopper, uh, Bo Corrales, uh, Garrett Walston, um, Grayson Atkins, they're through after next year. They can't have another year. Every other senior on our team, I think there, there, there may be eight more of those guys or nine more of those guys could come back for another year if they want to. And people say, well, ask them. They don't know right now. They don't know about their draft status. They don't know what kind of year they're going to have. They don't know if they're going to stay healthy. They don't know if they can get in graduate school, if they want to come back. They don't know if they want a double major. Uh, so that's really, really tough. So what we've decided to do is go back and count all the guys like they would normally be counted for their eligibility, not count the extra year. And then if they want the extra year and, and it, it we want them back or they've got more school, uh, then we'll talk about it at that time. But the real concern is for the 22s because when you let everybody stay, we'll have like 90 on scholarship next year. And everybody will have very few scholarships for the 22 class compared to the norm uh, unless the NCAA uh, gives us some relief. And, and, and we're waiting on that. The NCAA's got their hands full with basketball and trying to get ready for the March Madness tournament. Uh, but we're all recruiting the, the 22s. We're recruiting the juniors, and we really don't know what to tell them because we're not really sure how many people we have uh, in, in that recruiting class. So uh, hopefully the NCAA will come, come out. Everybody's worried about it. All the coaches are asking the NCAA to give us relief. The athletics directors are trying to uh, get us an answer. Uh, but we really need an answer uh, so, so we can go about our business in 22. Well, I got to give credit to our game planner here because all these questions have truly rolled in uh, to each other. And you address part of the question, maybe all of the, uh, one of the questions, and that is about the 22 class and the size of it. Uh, from what I hear, you expect it to be smaller unless, and that was one of the questions, do you expect it to be smaller? But you kind of also, you talked about uh, the, how you recruit, uh, how you're recruiting right now. And uh, a question would be, do you have anything that you can share with uh, juniors and uh, their parents as to what they can do to get exposed in, in this era of meeting virtually? Yeah, Dale, these, these have been great questions. And, and uh, I would say if, if I was a parent, uh, even a high school coach of a, um, a junior, I would be talking to the, um, the, the high school association I would be emailing the NCAA uh, and just asking for relief. We, we think there's got to be something in there where 
we can get some relief for next year and then at least the next year. And then after that, some of your guys will transfer with a transfer portal. Some of your guys will go to the NFL. Some of your guys will probably quit. Um, so, so the numbers will start balancing back out in a couple of years. But for the next two years, we're really going to need some relief uh, across the board uh, to help us with the 85 uh, simply with, with the next two classes because that's, it's unfair to the 22 and the 23 class if, if we can only recruit 10 of those guys where you would normally recruit 25. So there's 15 really good players that have earned the right to play at a, a North Carolina or, or in our state at Duke or NC State or, or, or Wake Forest, and they, and they don't have a chance. They don't have that opportunity. So um, the NCAA gave opportunities for people on, on the teams this year uh, to not lose their year because they weren't sure we were going to play when that decision was made. But right now we need to be working toward making sure there's opportunities for the classes over the next two years. You know, I'm just going to follow up to that. Uh, we always talk about fall through players, players that are on that fringe of making division one and then something happens and they don't, and they fall down to D two. So this may help D two schools uh, and improve football at that level. And who knows what that might do for recruiting yeah, that- in the future. Yeah, Dale, I, I agree completely. The the only other concern I've got with all the guys going in the transfer portal, and there's maybe 2,000 this year, there's a lot more than there were last year. Last year, only 37% of those found a place to go. So I'm afraid that a lot of those guys are start going to Division Two or the FCS programs, and then they're going to take opportunities away from some of the high school guys uh, that are coming out now, too. So We've got a lot of things in college football that we've got to figure out because I hate for that good player that, that might be going to Furman uh, not to have that opportunity of a, a, a Furman or a Western Carolina or, or a Mercer or um, might not have that opportunity because a backup at, at North Carolina may take that slot uh, just because he's in the transfer portal. So I'm, I'm really worried about uh, our recruiting right now Uh, from a high school standpoint, if I'm a parent or a high school coach. So coach about uh, one other thing about recruiting. Uh, I've always believed in multi-sport because when I played all all the coaches were talking about, you need to play. They wanted you playing three sports uh, if you could. And uh, you're a fan of uh, multi-sport players as well. Uh, Why, what, why do you see that as an important uh, factor in an athlete? Dale, I want guys that want to compete, and and I don't want a guy that wants to lay around the off season, and 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 so I love to watch a guy play basketball. There was a guy named Chris Washington that that uh, uh, was at a high school in Chicago, and I was walking through one day, and they were having gym practice, and he he dribbled the ball the length of the court. I was at Iowa State. He put it behind his back. He jumped up and dunked the ball. I asked the coach. I said, "Who's that guy?" And he said, "He's the right guard." He's the right guard on our, our football team. And I said, he's the right guard. So I offered him a scholarship. We took him. He played 10 years in the NFL. And uh, so I can see a guy run and jump and, and stop and compete and play defense, catch a ball, throw a ball uh, with basketball. I can see a wrestler uh, that needs to compete, and he is not going to lose. Uh, so I would love for our guys to play as many sports as we can and 
and try to win and stay busy and want to compete at every level. And the other thing, Dale, I like is I like to recruit a guy that can play uh, more than one spot on our team. It's the reason, one of the reasons that a lot of people miss on offensive linemen. A lot of those guys can't play anywhere else. But if you take a really good athlete like a Cedric Gray that played safety or, or a receiver in high school, uh, he's playing linebacker for us. If that doesn't work out, he can go to a tight end. He can go back to a safety. So uh, you, you start looking at De- DeAndre Boykins from, from up in the Concord area. He played tailback. He can play corner. He can play safety. He can play nickel. Uh, so there's a lot of things that he could do. Uh, so if, it, if he doesn't like his coach or if it doesn't work out at one position, those type guys have a lot of other places they can play. And, um, and, and we look at all of those options in recruiting. Mac, I absolutely love that answer, and I want to see everybody play as many sports as possible for the same reasons you said, competing, and two, just being kids and having fun and enjoying their high school careers, because you're only, you're only in high school once. Um, but I want to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, I spent some time coaching in Texas. Obviously, you you had a, uh, a tremendous career at the University of Texas. I even have a friend watching in Texas tonight. But is there anything about Texas high school football that you would like to see schools, whether here in North Carolina adopt or even our NCHSAA adopt that could make football and, and recruiting better in our state? Well, uh, number one, I'd like uh, to pay our coaches more. That's one of the things that uh, that they do in Texas. They pay the coaches more. And most of those guys only teach a PE class and that's with their entire football team to, to help uh, them uh, get their guys ready to play. So it's, it's just like a, an off-season program uh, and give our coaches more time to, uh, to be great leaders around their school. So those two things would help as much as anything else. And, and, and I've also said I'd, I'd like to either expand spring practice some. You don't have to hit all the time, but, but teach. Uh, and, and also, if not, then at least our summer programs uh, where guys can can stay involved. I want the high school coaches to be in charge. And and we really fought that in Texas. And, and, and we were in control when we were here now. I don't want it to be just seven-on-seven seven programs and, and people traveling around and, and the high school coach not having control of his program in the summer. He can't even get his guys to come and work out. So uh, the more hands-on that we can give the high school coaches, uh, then the, the better off we are, in my opinion. Well, let me ask a follow-up to that, and I'm so glad that you brought up the seven-on-seven aspect because I've been pretty outspoken about that. But what are your feelings on the seven-on-sevens? Obviously, I know that they're a very instrumental part of the game and part of development. And, and again, as a former coach, I wanted to see the players compete. Uh, But would you like to see seven-on-sevens be more like the AAU, which I feel like it's heading towards, like for basketball or or for for football coaches? Uh, and, And I think I know your answer, but I figured I'd go ahead and throw it out there. Chris, I was very vocal about this at, at Texas and tried to help the, the high school association in Texas stay strong. Uh, I want the coaches to be in charge. I would love to see seven-on-seven tournaments like they have in Texas in the summer uh, on the statewide level and, and bring them to Chapel Hill, have them play. Uh, but you, you're, you're organized. You have restrictions. You, you've got uh, – uh, it's, it's safe. Um, You've got officials out there. There's a, there's a state champion. Uh, but it's all run by the high school. It's all controlled by the, the coaches association. And it, it's all uh, run by the high school coach. And 
Uh, I'm not against uh, guys going to camps and throwing the ball and all this kind of stuff, but I, I want it to go through the high school coach. We, we've lost some control in our programs with the high school coach, and they're so valuable in everybody's lives. We've got to get that control back, and that's in con- recruiting. Um, that That's uh, on the field. That's off the field uh, because we, we, we look at what's happened this last year. It's never been more important than, than now to have strong leadership in our, in our schools, uh, in our communities. And, and that's the high school coach with our families. We, we've got kids out there that are having trouble eating and, and, and they're having trouble staying in school. We, we've got uh, um, uh, alcohol at a real high level, alcohol abuse. We've got uh, spousal abuse at a higher level than ever. We've got suicides. Uh, opioid deaths. We, we, we've got more issues with people, with young people right now than we've ever had uh, in our lives. And, and there's no better person than that coach to, to be involved with that young person on a day-to-day basis and with his family to try to help guide him through this. And all these kids love sports. They all want to win. They all want to get scholarships. Mm-hmm. So the coach has got something they want and, and we've got to keep them from getting in that corner depressed and, and, and all the bad things that are going on out there right now. We've got to take these crises and we've got to turn them into small positives for these young people. And the only people that, that are the major people, in my estimation, that can do that with our, our athletes are our coaches. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Coach, um, I got a question from a 10th grade running back today at West Mecklenburg High School. He wrote, Mac, he, this is what he wanted to ask. Mac, when you're watching high school recruits play, what is it that sticks out to you that might make you recruit one guy over another guy? Oh, Langston, that, that's such a great question. Uh, when I worked for Coach Switzer, he said, uh, only watch the first five plays of the game and don't tell me who it is. And if I can't pick the guy out, then I don't need to be recruiting him. So what I would say is for all of you young guys out there, you don't know which play we're going to see. We, we have a recruiting staff. They take out every positive play of your game and don't just watch the positive plays. They're going to take every negative play, and that's going to be a concern. So if you didn't block somebody or you loafed, we're going to look at every play that you played in that ball game. And, and Coach Royal, the legendary coach at Texas, told me, don't ever try to make a guy a player. You've got to show that you love football. You've got to play hard every play, and you've got to give every ounce of your ability every minute of the game and be emotional and and be physical. Um, And and then you can overcome even if there's some lack of ability. But uh, if if you're loafing, if you don't look like you care, if, if you're grabbing a shoulder or a knee or something's hurt every third play, if you're getting up late uh, off the, off the ground, I'm not going to stay there long. I'm going to be gone because I'm trying to find guys that can do what you guys talked about before who can win the national championship, who can be the best player in the country. So when I turn on, on a video and, and Billy Hire, recruiting coordinator, we have 12 people look at you before you get to me. That's an evaluation from 12 people and they write it up separately. Right. So by the time it gets to my office, you better be really good. Uh, and, and they don't tell me who he's interested in. And the other thing, guys, the first thing I ask is, uh, what kind of person is he? 
Has he ever had any character issues? And if you had, I'm out. The second thing I ask is what is his core grade point average? I don't ask about test scores, but I want to know what that core grade point average is because in my, in my life, my 32 years in coaching, if you've got a 3.0 or above in the core, you, you've got about a 97% chance of graduating at the schools that I've been involved with, and most of them have been academic schools. Mm-hmm. So show me your attendance record. Show me your captain. Show me your leadership in the community. Uh, show me your core grade point average. Uh, have a smile on your face. Love football and compete every play, and then you've got a chance. Yeah. I think that answer is going to be clipped and posted on the Charlotte exactly. Observer. I just, I just have a, I just have a, 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 a clue. Um, last question, Coach. Been great talking to you. I love talking. I can listen to you talk all day, like Dale. Um, is the North Carolina turnaround where you expect it, and where does it go from here? Uh, it's, it's ahead of where I expected. When, when we came in, uh, I'm a North Carolina football fan. I'm a Larry Fedora fan, so I, I watched them. And I studied him, and Larry did some great things here, and he, and he left us some good players. Uh, they just uh, had a real tough time the last couple of years. Um, and I, I wasn't thinking about taking the job. I didn't expect it. When, when Bubba called, I was actually at uh, Who's In uh, at, uh, in, at ESPN sitting on the show, and I just picked Oklahoma as one of the four teams. And as I was coming off, one of the – a producer said, you know, you just made everybody in the state of Texas mad. I said, I used to do that all the time. Uh, so that, that's they've been, they've been mad at me before, so that's not a big issue. Uh, but uh, when you win five games in two years and you only win two power five games, you've got a lot to, to overcome. You've got a lot to, of uh, culture change. You've got a lot of confidence to build. You've got some depth issues on, on defense. So... Um, uh, you, you didn't have a quarterback that was established at that time, and Sam's been unbelievable for us. But the, the first day we stepped out there, it wasn't that way. And, and uh, we're just slowly building that depth and therefore building that confidence. And I remember, guys, the first meeting I had, one of the seniors raised his hand and said, how do you win? And I thought, boy, that's how long do we have here? Uh, but you, you win by doing things right. And we say, do the little things right. There are no little things. Everything's important if, if you feel like it's important. So keep your locker room clean. Uh, clean up your players' lounge. Uh, pick up your, your food and clean your table when you get through with lunch. Um, uh, you bust your tail every play at practice. There, there are no plays off. It's 100%. And you compete on everything you do. You, you show up for every class. You're not late to any of our meetings. If you do, we close the door. So we're really upbeat and positive with our guys, but we're really hard on them, and, and we're very demanding with them. And, and we say if it's a one-on-one pass drill, and, and as an offensive lineman you can't block a defensive end coming in, then you're not going to play. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You're, you're showing us I can either block that guy or I can't, man. Mm-hmm. This isn't hard. These are facts. <laughs> and one, one of the things we tell our players, Langston, more than anything else, facts. These facts are tough, men, but they're not. Watch <laughs> this play. That's one of those emojis, Coach. Facts with the exclamation points. Exactly. Did you get to the passer in this drill or did you not? Yeah. If you did, we're going to put you in in the pass rush situation. If you did, you're not going in. And, and you decided that. You determined that, not me. I just watched it. And I'm going to try to teach you and help you, 
but that's it. So, um, no, I wouldn't have thought we would be this far. I wouldn't have thought we'd have been the Orange Bowl in year two. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought we'd have had Notre Dame with a chance for us to win with a minute 29 left. I wouldn't have thought with 4,000 yards of offense going and your leading tackler on defense, we'd be in a ball game with, with A&M with a chance to win with five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have thought we'd have beaten number 10 Miami like we did uh, this this early. So uh, we're, we're far ahead of where I thought we'd be, and I like it. And Sally told me the other day, you've screwed up again. I said, what do you mean, sweetie? And she said, you've raised these expectations, so you're about to make everybody mad if you don't win all the games. And I said, that's my job. My job. Very high expectations and then try to get them. Well, thank you, Sally, for getting Coach on the line today because you're a great coach. Really enjoyed you, man. We definitely got to have you back at some point. Best of luck to the Tar Heels this year. And thanks a lot, Coach Brown. Thanks, guys. I appreciate all three of you, like I said at the start of the show. And, thank you, and, Coach. And, Nobody's needed us more than right now to to help and promote uh, high school sports and specifically high school football. So let's don't let up. Let's let's keep pushing it and we'll make it. We'll be here every Monday, Coach. Every Monday we'll be here. But thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Coach. Bye bye. All right, there's uh, Coach Mac Brown. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. You got a chance Man. to hear hear him in his own voice, exactly. his own words. I think that's always important. Um, Okay, I got to bring in some other folks. They, uh, we, Gary, what'd you think? That that's your coach. <laughs> loved you? it. Yeah. Loved he was here yeah. preaching. Awesome. <laughs> I got the best coach in the state. They don't like agree with that. Yeah, yeah he, he was awesome, man. man. He's the real dude. He's the hey, real dude. Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam over there. Look at with the hat on. Look at him. Like, the, the, the show is in the building. Hey, Sam. Coach had me fired up so much, I think I'm ready to play you in tennis again. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Don't, don't let him fool you now. Hold on, Sam. I got somebody know something a little bit about Mac Brown right here. Kenzie Tinsley. Oh, uh, there we go. Creek. You know a little bit about Coach Brown, don't you, Kenzie? I, I do, man. I do. That's uh, tough to follow. Y'all sure y'all want to talk to me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We definitely, we definitely want to talk to you. We definitely want to talk to you. Yeah, it is a little bit of a drop-off. I'm not going to lie, brother. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm no doubt. No doubt. Very highly. You, you actually have, like when I met with you before, you know, sitting down talking when we were discussing uh, before I took this West Charlotte job, I was going to come work for you. And I can see a lot of same – uh, you know, <laughs> coaching styles from Coach Brown, just like you are. I'm serious. Like you know, you're very passionate about what you do, and you want to do things the right way. So, yeah, big time. Appreciate it, man. Coach, tell us a little bit about your uh, your playing career and your coaching career as you get over to Mallet Creek. All right, um, playing career. I'm from Greensboro, so three um, six. I grew up and played at Dudley High School. And got the opportunity to play at North Carolina and played there under uh, Coach Bunton and Butch Davis and had a good career, man, and had a great experience. But, uh, not only did it get a good degree, but playing ACC, man. So uh, it was a dream come true for me. It's, I mean, I, I think I dreamed of playing at Carolina when Mac was there and, um, and, and even after Mac, man. So to reach that goal it was certainly a blessing and motivated as motivated me since then to, um, you know, ultimately do the Lord's work. And so from there, man, I got a shot at the league and um, ended up getting hurt and got a job at a school called Eastern Guilford High School in Gibsonville. 
And, um, you know, I was an assistant coach and worked hard and just tried to work hard to find my way and kind of worked up the ladder um, through serving and just being a great assistant, the best I could be. And uh, then got my first opportunity to be a head coach at uh, Southeast Guilford. And, and we had some success there and then had the opportunity to come to Mallet Creek. So um, from there, man, just, you know, just like all of us, I mean, through um, our development and through um, throughout life, I guess you you, you kind of get a different perspective about what's really important in life. And that really motivates me to ultimately build, you know, I got an opportunity and platform to uh, reach a lot of kids, not just the football players, but the kids that's in the school building each and every day. And so uh, I, I got a great staff that we all essentially we, we talk about working our ministry and, and knowing what the ministry is and and ultimately building a culture where we are getting the most out of our kids. And we think if we do that, then it'll definitely translate to the field. Coach, you know, as someone that's also, you know, from the Greensboro area, graduate of uh, Northeast Guilford High School, you know, coming down here and coaching, you know, in the Charlotte area, I definitely, you know, noticed a difference between, you know, football as we knew it in Greensboro versus football down here in Charlotte. Could you sure. speak to some of the things that you've seen so far with some of the differences between coaching in, you know, in Greensboro at the great schools that you mentioned and then now finally having, uh, you know, being at the helm of uh, Mallet Creek here in Charlotte? Yeah, sure. Some things I probably shouldn't speak on, uh, but overall, I think the biggest thing is that Charlotte, um, there's a different hunger for uh, football success, especially within the athletes and their families. Um, I, I do feel like football is a lot more important. Um, there's a ton of great coaches and teams um, and a great amount of depth of, um, of, of good talent in this area. Um, that helps make this uh, a great area to coach and improve as a coach. Um, and and then the other thing I've learned and watched is just the different styles and models, you know. Um, so, like, getting to know Sam and seeing, like, what made Sam so successful and what's going to make him continue to be successful versus seeing what my, uh, Mike Palmieri has done in the past and actually being a part of a program and seeing, hey, here's the steps that they took. Um, to uh, accomplish what they've accomplished and then sitting in the back seat and looking at what Vance has done and and things of that nature, man. It's been very interesting. I do think it is a difference, no doubt, um, in where I'm coming from in, in the Charlotte area, for sure. Well, welcome to Charlotte, and nice to meet a fellow Tar Heel. Um, Coach, what is it um, – what was it like transitioning – from your your previous school to Mallet Creek, and then all of a sudden COVID hits. How did how did that transition uh, play itself out for you and your program? Uh, it was very challenging. Um, I got the job and uh, got introduced to the team. And the night we were supposed to, I was supposed to meet with the parents. Um, all after school activities got shut down. Uh, and so there has there was a block between me and access to the kids for quite some time. There was a block between hire, in hiring coaches because at the time CMS had shut down, you know, uh, all ability to hire new people. So there was a lot of planning and and just kind of moving and shaking around the um, things that we were able to do. Um, and things were just ultimately put on hold. I think it's a blessing and a curse 
Um, I got more time to get things in, um, obviously, because we didn't play during the season. Um, but on the flip side, in not having time, there was a constant block, you know, um, just to get access to the kids, right? Phone numbers, emails, you know, who's the who are the new kids that's enrolling at Mallet Creek, you know, getting access to them. It was very challenging. Um, but we've pushed through and uh, we, we we feel like we have a really good team and opportunity on um, this season. Man, it's it's great having you on the show, man. Your passion is pretty special. I wanna I wanna get off of football for a second. I wanna ask you a little bit about your family. Um, you definitely outkick your covers. There's no doubt about it. You know, <laughs> you're not the best looking fella in the whole world, but uh, your family, no your family is like fantastic. When you, when you had you had three daughters first, correct? That's right. That's right. And then, what made you just say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna go get the boy and and go for number four. <laughs> Oh, that's easy. Nothing. <laughs> well, you would have been okay. You would have been okay with another girl, right? You would have been okay with four girls, right? I, I would have. I would have. Um, not at maybe not at first, man. But uh, ultimately, man, you know, you and I both know. Once you have a daughter, it don't matter how many you have, man. You're gonna love them, uh, and they're gonna love you more than than probably anyone else in the world. Uh, but that's a cool story, man. You know, we had three kids and back to back to back. It was all girls. And I pretty much said the heck with it. I guess it's not meant to be. And the Lord bless us with a son. And my gosh, he is a knucklehead. So uh, I got a Sam, I got a Sam Grinder at the house for sure. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, he going to be a great athlete then. <laughs> he better. Hey, the, uh, after what he's pulling off every day, he better. <laughs> oh, one, one last question for you. Um, when I was meeting with you, you I think you have a seven-step program or a seven-step deal. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think that's really cool. I, and seven's my favorite number, but I think now I remember correctly, it's like a seven-step process that you, you're trying to work in as a culture, and you're a big culture guy. Yeah, man. Matter of fact, when you said seven is my favorite number, I said, bam, we got them, baby. <laughs> uh, so we have seven core principles. It's the foundation of our team. Uh, it's what we build on. And so the core principles are accountability, discipline, um, and effort, humility, love, appreciation, and enthusiasm. Um, and so in our opinion, those core principles uh, make us complete, which is what is what the number seven means. They're all biblically founded. Um, and so we are constantly talking about it with the kids. Um, the coaches got quizzed on knowing them. Um, I mean, we really work hard to build on those things. Um, so in, in essentially, you know, I, even when I meet with my parents, we review them um, because we're saying that a team that's built on humility, love, enthusiasm, and you have fun, you got great energy. Um, you're disciplined, you're accountable to each other, right? Um, those principles, you appreciate the opportunity, right? I mean, we almost weren't able to play, right? And I'm constantly saying, hey, guys, we almost, this almost never happened. And it's not happening in the fashion we want. But, man, do you appreciate it? And does our practices show that? Does our effort show that? Um, and so those core principles are essentially what we build on um, to be the best we can be. And, and, and the end is... Seven is completion, and if we get each kid, all of us, man, coaches, men, if we push to be the best we can be, what would that look like for our families, 
you know, what would that look like for the future of our families? And ultimately, um, the thought is the Lord would be pleased with um, the life that we build because we got the most out of our opportunity. So that's the thought. Behind. And you sound so much like Griner and Jupiter Wilson. It's like I'm like hearing like the same yeah, like, a little like bit all here. combined together. It's like that's I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, Sam. People give Sam a hard time, but I mean, deep down, I mean, he's just like this guy. Is it? He just uh, he got that little gruff exterior part. He got that smooth. <laughs> a little bit more whoop your butt there too. But yeah. like. Yeah. 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 But my question, Coach, CMS only had three weeks to get ready for football season. Are you concerned about injuries as we get into Friday and maybe somebody getting hurt in the next couple of weeks that might hurt their fall season as well, be it in college or high school? Oh, absolutely, man. I, You know, I, I say this every time someone asks me. First of all, it's hard to lead and make decisions. It just is. And I, I – we all, we do it as coaches and sometimes people don't approve of the decisions that we make. And so I understand that we have to make tough decisions. Um, but certainly, man, the shutdown really hurt our opportunity to condition and get kids in shape. And and uh, football is, is a physical game um, and you have to prepare your body physically to get through a season. Uh, otherwise, it's not safe. And I am concerned um, and we have to have to tweak our practices and I'm having to essentially change myself um, to make sure the kids are healthy um, and ready to play, you know, um, because I think the, we got to think safety first. Um, but I mean, I, I talked to a coach earlier today as a college coach and it was like, hey, man, we started camp. We started camp. And so when you say that, it's like, hey, man, we started we did camp for two weeks and we're about to play. It's like, wow. And I'm like, nah, you don't understand. We ain't done nothing but camp. <laughs> and when you say that, it is like, oh, wait, there was no prep before that. Yeah. Um, and we 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 felt like we our staff had a good plan for January. That was a key moment to get our guys in shape, right? Put some things out there, you know, do some more with the system as far as getting it in so that we were ready for camp. And so losing that prep time um, certainly has made it difficult. And we've got, like, great kids. I mean, Palmieri has set a great program and a standard. Um, so I'm very fortunate because uh, I, I know it's it's got to be very challenging for other schools that don't. That's not Mallet Creek, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so our kids are pushed through, and, and we're certainly proud of them. And we've got good parents that, that help and um, support their kids um, a lot. Uh, but no doubt, bro, it definitely concerns me every day. And we've got a ton of kids already banged up. Man, we ain't, yeah. we're playing Vance. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, the physical yeah. football team. Right. And, Speaking and, of uh, Vance, I bet you're surprised we haven't asked any questions about the big game on Friday night, right? I, I am, man. I am. Okay. That's pretty that's, good. That's about the change we get from the other side of this meeting. <laughs> Well, I certainly enjoyed talking to y'all before that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that changed. Well, well welcome back once again. And here we are with Coach Kennedy Tinsley among a stellar panel. And you see the likes of them all. And once again, as I say all the time, if you look at the six on camera, we know immediately which one of us does not belong. <laughs> and it's the one who's talking right now. 
So I'm honored to be with all of these fine people right here. I would like to begin by saying that in the spirit of what Coach Tinsley was speaking of in terms of ministering to others and being there to serve that Vance Coach Glenwood Farabee is busy doing just that right now and was called unexpectedly to be of service to others. So we regret that he is not with us this evening, but know that he is extending that ministerial spirit of which Coach Tinsley has spoken so very, very eloquently. So that being said, uh, Coach Tinsley, uh, we get to keep going right here. Game of the week time. So uh, let's set up this game. Game one of the season in now, obviously, this is not an ordinary matchup in terms of the abilities of the team. It's not an ordinary matchup in terms of playing in February. It's not an ordinary matchup in terms of a game of this magnitude at the beginning of a season. So taking all of those things into consideration and then the obvious end of season implications, how are you approaching these dynamics with 16, 17 and 18 year olds whom we know are aware of them? but we still have to keep them focused one game at a time. What are you and your assistant coaches doing to make that happen? Um, well, one, I mean, this is a new process for all of us. And so um, they're still getting used to uh, the culture and the tone that we're trying to set. Uh, it's really important that we ultimately, it goes back to what I was saying before, focus on being the best we can be. Um, we're really excited about the game. We know it's a big game. We know uh, what Vance has accomplished last year. Um, the kids definitely um, were disappointed last year and their season ending the way it did and are looking forward to playing again. I mean, those are things that we uh, we are aware of. And it's, 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 you can see it in the energy that they bring in practice. But on the, as far as our approach, it's always to get the most out of our kids within the plan that we have. Um, in order to be successful on Friday. Uh, I think sometimes you can put so much emphasis on one game that it impacts other games. Um, and so we really got to be careful as coaches to be consistent. You know, what we bring and push and say for this week happens the next week and the week after that um, so that we are consistent as far as our practices and our effort to be uh, the best we can be. Well, Coach, uh, you guys are starting out with a pretty tough game. How is that pressure with the first game being such a hard one? Um, you know, I think, one, you think about it, having the opportunity to be a game of the week or, or playing big games is what we work for, you know. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily look at it as pressure as I do um, more so excitement to, to go out and be accomplished, you know. Uh, and so that's how we look at it. You know, we're going to go out and, and, and play this game. And we've known that we're going to play what we're going to play Vance. And then we learned that we're going to play game, Vance game one um, for quite some time. And so the fact that it's actually here and we're actually going to get the opportunity um, is, is more so excitement than pressure. Yeah. You guys also have four returning starters. Who's going to be one of those guys who's just going to make the big difference in that game? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we'll have one guy that's going to be that much of a difference. I think all of our kids are going to play extremely hard and we're going to have a number of kids that make big plays um, that allow us to be successful. And so, um, we always say one play is not 
uh, doesn't make or break a game. It may, it might happen at a critical time, uh, but we play a hundred something plays and that with 11 players on the field at that time. And our entire team matters and I'm um, expected to be ready to roll. Well, coach, um, one of the things that I, I um, liked about Coach Farabee last year in the run that they made is he quickly learned that he had to adapt to the vast culture as opposed to trying to make, you know, a, a coaching staff and a hundred kids to adapt to him. Mm-hmm. How much of what Mallet Creek did under Palmeria are you keeping? How much of what you're doing is new? I mean, what what has the balance been like for you coming into a, um, a top five program in the state? Because uh, those jobs usually don't come open that often. How, how have you adapted to the Mallet Creek culture and, and what have you brought to Mallet Creek um, that puts your stamp on the program? Uh, that's a great question, man. I think um, ultimately it's a learning experience. You know, I have to be myself first uh, and and trust that what, uh, I guess, me and the coaches that uh, we brought together is ultimately going to help us uh, be successful like it's helped us be, uh, help us be successful in the past. Um, and so the challenge is when you're in a new place and there's already a culture set, um, finding those things that are similar and then finding what things can improve and get better to, so that it can, you know, you can create change. Um, so just because we've been doing things a certain way doesn't mean, I guess the first and most important question is, can we do it a better way? Uh, regardless of if it's something I've done or something that they've done in the past. And so I think it's been a mixture uh, between the two. And we've been able to keep some of the coaches that uh, were on Palmieri staff. And we're constantly going back and forth as far as, Hey, what, what, how do we strategize, you know, whether it's practice or kids or JV varsity split practice structure. Um, and then we put our minds together and come up with a plan that we hope or think is better. All on those same lines, you know, talking about, you know, coaches and retaining culture, you know, I'm an air raid guy, much similar to, to your offensive coordinator, you know, having a surface level understanding of, you know, some of the history of, of your offensive style and knowing you're a running back, obviously there may be certain clashes in some of you, you know, the philosophy that you view versus, you know, your offensive coordinator. So how have you dealt with maybe some of those differing styles and kind of merging together or creating a, a single pathway forward for this big game one? Yeah. Well, you know, um, we hired Coach Helen because he's a great football coach. I mean, he's a great offensive coordinator. He's very intelligent. Um, he's always prepared. He's one of the probably most prepared coaches that I've ever been around. Um, and he's had a ton of success in his career. Uh, and it goes back to just working together. You know, there's things that uh, I know philosophically that I w- want the football team to look like. And and then we combine that with things he's done in the past. And then ultimately we do what's best for our kids and our team. So we play to the personnel that we have. Um, and even though sometimes we do view things differently, it's just a constant continuum every day working together to push to get the uh, the best possible answer. And I think that those clashes or those differences are, are, are great. Um, and I think some of the things when you think about things that are different, those clashes, if you can work through the, the tough times or the differences, 
um, you get a much better product. If we all think the same and everybody comes in the meeting and says, yes, sir, let's do it this way. Um, we're going to be really limited on past because we can only go as far as I can take us or the way I think or the way Coach Helms thinks. Um, but when we all come together and put our thoughts together and work through our differences, um, that's when we get the best product. And typically everybody has um, a thought or angle that is somewhat correct. You know, and if you can put combine those deals, um, it's really going to help your team. And that's I mean, I'm saying team is in football, but I think that goes for anything. Um, where you have individuals working together. Coach Tinsley, North Carolina's brightest lights will be on Mallard Creek and Vance this week. And the significance of that is important on multiple levels. This is a game that will showcase from a historical perspective at the 4A level in Charlotte, North Carolina, two African-American head coaches, both of whom have led their have led schools as head coaches in state championship games. The fact that something like this is happening at this level in a game of this magnitude in any season, and then the fact that it also is happening in a pandemic shortened season and being played during African American History Month. What do you think this game says about the progress we have made? in terms of elite level leadership opportunities for African-American coaches? And how important is this in terms of creating opportunities for those who will follow you and Coach Farabee? Uh, that's a, a great point, um, great question and great point. Um, you know, I think I, um, as a head coach, um, and I'm very fortunate to have a staff with both white and black coaches. Um, and we really look at the way we look at it and we try to ultimately talk about it is we're here to serve each other. Um, and, and we do that through love, regardless of what you look like. And I do, I am well aware that it's very important um, that uh, myself, I mean, my athletic director, other uh, head coaches that are African-Americans continue to do a good job, but do things the right way um, so that you can create more opportunities um, for the future of our country and, and just life in general. Um, so that to hopefully one day, regardless of what you look like, um, you'll get an opportunity based off, um, you know, your production and the work ethic that you put in and, and the, uh, the best fit right for a job. Um, so I, I definitely um, think the opportunity is very important. Um, I definitely think um, we are making progress. And, I, you know, when you even talk about it in that way, you realize how fortunate and blessed you are um, to use your platform um, to be an example and create change in the world. Uh, so uh, thank you for even bringing that up. And um, obviously there are times where um, I, in, my, in my past, when I first was trying to get a head coaching job, um, I, I know for a fact that one of the jobs that I didn't get was because they felt like I was not the right person for that job because the school was not ready for a black head coach. And I was told that by the principal that wanted to hire me. Um, and so that it is real. Um, and to see that the Lord has blessed me through that to have an opportunity at a school like Mallet Creek um, is amazing. Um, but it's very important that we continue to raise all of our kids, whether they're white or black, I mean, you know, 
Hispanic um, to be the best they can be and to try to create a culture where people don't um, necessarily look at color. They look at, man, this is a person that loves me and is taking care of me um, and wants me to be the best I can, you know. And so uh, that progress will ultimately help our world and our country to be the best country it can be. Well, I think your AD really grasped you. I think he did a great job hiring you. Um, where I'm at at West Charlotte, the reason why I'm there is my principal, my AD, they don't look at me as like, oh, you're a white football coach coming into a, a – You're the exact opposite, baby. <laughs> I've faced a lot of those things in my past as well. And uh, it's tough. It's tough. Like, I wish people just understood we care about people. Like, we just love football, and we want to make better men. You know, that's all we're trying to do. And, you just uh, love us, Grinder, baby. That's just how you love us. Hey, that's it. That's what it really is. It's okay. We love you too. <laughs> hey, Grice, you look fantastic, dude. You like like you've been running seven miles a day. I mean, yeah, I did a couple two and a half before here, man. You know, trying to stay in shape. I got to face you guys, man. What do you mean? Trying not to stress, man. I'm looking down there, you know, facing him. They're, they're picking you above me, Grinder. Like I, I don't know, man. I'm dealing with stress in my life right now. Hey. I, I remember the Star Observer. I'm we're picked dead last. So I don't want to hear. It. Hey, but I, I, I'm I'm still <laughs> You know, Gary's Dion. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna set the record straight here. So we're going back and forth. We're going back and forth right here, telling each other how good everyone looks or who's the better looking one here. It's me. We, we we've come to the point. We've come to the point that we're gonna shift this to the one who looks better than all of us right here. And I know we got Mavericks in the house. And we got the Cougars uh, in the house, obviously, Coach Farabee, uh, who is taking care of some important business with this program. Yeah. But we're going to hear from the Huskies right here. It's Kenzie time. Let's go. Thanks, Kennedy. The intro. Mm -hmm. No, big time intro. So I appreciate it. So Kenzie time is, is pretty awesome. We're going to jump into that. I want to ask one question before we go into it. Like I was joking around with Grice, I would love to have uh, Kennedy still on here. I wanted to ask him his weight room thing. He looks like he got a little big chest. He can do a little bench press too, but I'll get back to him another time. But um, Kenzie, tell me who you interviewed this past week. We went over to South Carolina one last time because, you know, everybody in NC can reach out now everywhere. Uh, but we went over to York, South Carolina, interviewed quarterback Weston Hans, recently committed to Presbyterian College. Yeah, I watched him live in the first game that they played in the uh, fall, and I thought that he had a lot of potential. I wanted to see how they could grow throughout the season. So I'm excited to see this interview. I want to see what he's talking about. Let's hit it. Weston Hans of uh, York. Weston, you just committed to play football at Presbyterian College. What made you choose them? Um, just the family atmosphere. You know, they made me feel like they really wanted me. And, um, you know, they gave me a shot to play. And, um, you know, just I love the field there. I love the campus. Uh, and, I, you know, playing Division One football is something that can't, can't compare to. So, uh, you know, that was probably the biggest thing is making the decision. Yeah. Um, you told me earlier in the week that your dream has always been to play in big stadiums. What does it feel like for that to finally come to reality? 
Um, it's it's a dream come true, man. You can't really put it into words. Um, it's uh, it's definitely something you know, I've dreamed about, and um, you know, I can't really put it into words. The fact that you know I'm gonna get to play and you know all over the country and be able to play in big stadiums in front of a lot of people. So. You're transitioning positions, though, from quarterback to wide receiver slash DB is what you committed as. How is your experience as a quarterback going to help you in the future as a wide receiver or de defensive back? Um, understanding, like, the game of football. Um, playing quarterback, you know, I had to learn everything, every position. So, uh, man, learning out, learning uh, coverages and uh, way formations work, uh, it's going to help me in the own alignment and, um, you know, what to expect on the field. So, you know, playing quarterback kind of worked out for me. Um, you know, I'd always played receiver, and uh, so it was. It kind of all circled back together. And um, you know, I, I I'm very grateful for my experience playing quarterback because it gave me a lot of a lot of knowledge that I can use now as playing receiver and uh, DB. What do you think your biggest asset that you're going to bring to the table at PC is? Um, just leadership. Um, I'm a guy that you know, uh, I feel like I can take people with me. And, um, you know, I win a lot of games. Um, I feel like I I can, you know, change the game. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, a guy that, you know, is going to pick other people up and um, uh, kind of be that leader on the field. And, um, you know, just a, just a fun guy, an intense guy. And, um, you know, I just can't wait, can't wait to get there. Yeah, what a guy indeed. Now it's time for a fan favorite speed round. Uh, Weston, who's your favorite singer or band? Uh, probably Apology. I listen to Apology a lot. What's your favorite color? Uh, purple. Superhero? Probably Superman. Favorite movie? Favorite movies, probably Remember the Titans. What's your favorite TV show? TV shows and Practical Jokers. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, I'd probably say Hawaii. All right, Weston, thank you for talking for us today. It means a lot. Thank you. All right, you're giving a hard time. This is now, guys, no matter where you live in North Carolina or South Carolina, you can be on Kinsey Time. You can be on all the Charlotte Observer and News Observer outlets. You talk about exposure, that's about as much exposure you can get in the Carolinas. Just want to say, how do we reach you, Kenzie? How do people reach you if they want to get on? Get DM on me on Twitter. DM me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter. Um, what's, your, what's your Twitter? I'm going to put it on the screen. What's your Twitter? Kenzie McLean, too. It's under her name. Oh, it's under oh, her name. I don't put it on screen. Right down her name. Hit her on, hit her okay. on Twitter. All right, Grace, I'm a little concerned. A little rusty. Come on, you got it. I'm, I'm a little rusty, but. I'm going to try, and, and I got new software, so uh -oh. we're going to try. And we got to show Alex how to do fresh faces, but we're going to try. Now, Alex, I always mess this up, just so you understand, Alex. I always mess this up, but I'm going to try. Here we go. Now, yeah. play. See, see, I told you, Grice, I was gonna mess up.
That intro was nice though. That's it's clean. It's the same, it's the same intro, but I just, yeah, I, mean, man, I just, all I know is that you know, me and Grice, we got like the the backwater, you know, like we just throw something together for us. But that fresh face is the truth. Here we go, Kizzy. Tell us about Travis Collins, Roger Travis Collins, he's a linebacker, but I think you see right here he's not above playing uh, special teams, and I think that's really great. Um, he's really good at knowing where the ball is going to go, too. He's a ball hawk. He's quick off the line when he needs to be. Um, he's going to get to the quarterback, cause some havoc, and uh, when he's not going for the quarterback, he's going to do his job really well and have a really great plan of attack to succeed. I didn't do a good job of getting the sound out of the back of that. I don't know if anybody – I don't know if anybody heard you, but uh, <laughs> let me out. Well, here it is. Going forward. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's try again, Kizzy. Tell us about. <laughs> tell us about Travis. We have Travis Collins. Um, Travis is a linebacker out of Audrey Kell. Um, he also, though, not above playing special teams. He's really good at knowing where the ball is going to go, knowing the best angle of attack to get there. Um, he's also really quick off the line when he needs to be. Can get to the quarterback and cause a lot of havoc, um, but when he needs, he can step back and play contain and just really do his job well to succeed on the field and be a team player. Yeah, well, you see that, Grice. No, I mean that's a guy. Like I said, you got to account for him in your pass protection. You know, that's one where you're telling the running back, make sure that guy's accounted for. He's blitzing. We got to have an extra guy for him because he didn't give enough pain to some quarterbacks. And you see him outside of the box, you know, stopping a quick receiver like that. Any guy, you know, like that, you got to circle him on your scouting report every week. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. I, I just I enjoy you guys talking about these athletes every week. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, to just to not, I know the kids like it too. So we definitely got to. Yeah. Do his more of it. Ability, that that last kid, his best ability is his eyes. Like he he has a really good job yeah. tracking with his yeah. eyes. He knows what he's yeah. looking at, and he doesn't get confused. That's a rarity in high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gets to the ball. Yes. Yeah. All right, here's Adrian Kirkpatrick, Gary of Barry High School. Fast, fast, fast. Ooh. Look at him in the secondary. Wow. I mean, this guy. The epitome of big plays. I mean, I think they were a fast coordinate. That's why he was so fast. I don't know. Ooh, that, that looks like a dumb C right there. I don't know. Ooh, look at this. They're they making it fast. He's faster than other guys on the field. Yeah. That's, that's that's yards a catch. Uh, big, big run after catch guy. Nice size. Can play in the slot or outside. Plays in the corner as well. Is this him? Uh, Going up there, what's y'all again? No, no, shit, chill. That was just one time right over there. <laughs> Gary's got a nice crop of receivers, and I mean, you can see it here. I mean, again, unfortunately, this is us as well. I remember this play too well. This kid caught this tunnel screen, and again, as you've seen right already, Ooh. he gets in front of you, he ain't catching. Yeah. Well, he got that real speed, like the old cars moving. They say he uh, got he's, he's got some good speed here for sure. So. He, he's gone. Hey, and the kid also plays baseball, and I would advise him, don't give it up. By the time the dude got the wind up, he'd be a second base. Yeah. He'd never yeah. slumps. Look at him getting into that secondary. Good yeah. gracious. Yeah, yeah, he he got proper receivers. Like I said, you know, they they've got a group good group that could surprise some people this year. I, I'm starting to wonder, you know, what you know why their record was what it is, because this guy is a playmaker. 
You know, Barry, Barry, like West Mecklenburg, always has really good skill players. I mean, always. Uh, some yeah. of the, yeah. You look at the Mecklenburg County record book, it's full of Barry wide receivers. Yeah. 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 When you look at them across the line, that's where they they, they typically fall down. They don't have uh, they don't have the beef. Well, they, they certainly they certainly got the guys on the outside. All right, Alice, we're gonna go up to your way a little bit. I know you're not on stage to talk about this guy, but I just want to make sure you understand we're gonna talk about as soon as I can find his highlight here, we're gonna talk about some uh Wake County kids. This is Brock Beastick of uh, Cardinal Gibbons. And Chris, what do you know about him? Well, guys, let me tell you, I don't care what the program says. Brock Beastick is listed at six foot two, 202 pounds, but I don't care what it says in the program. He, he plays much, much bigger than that. He is a Georgetown commit. So that tells you a lot about the academic achievement that this young man has. But let's look at the film right here. He can play anywhere. And by that, I mean anywhere. He can play the running back. He can play the slot, wide receiver, quarterback. It doesn't matter. He's got such good size. He's not afraid to go across the middle and, and make those tough catches. Uh, coach, coach, I talked to his coach earlier today, and he said he's got such soft hands. I mean, he can catch anything thrown near him. Uh, for a receiver, though, he's got great physicality. And let me clear my throat just so I don't I don't stutter. He can block, and blocking is what sets the real receivers apart, especially when they go to that next level uh, to play collegiately. Um, again, I don't I don't care what his combine numbers may say. He is a very strong runner. Uh, he, he's got what I like to call really good football speed. Uh, he's not afraid to get behind his pads, mm. and that's not really mm. a common trait for a skill player, uh, but he can get behind the pads. He can play those tough positions. Uh, he plays his best when it's fourth down or against a rival uh, when the game's on the line. Uh, he's got great awareness, and, and I want to say something. You know, a lot of times, and, and, and I'm not trying to overhype this guy at all, but a lot of times those guys that ends up playing on Sundays are guys that weren't your five-star recruits. They weren't your big guys that went to big major colleges. He reminds me a lot of a Julian Aid of Edelman. He can get in there, get behind those linebackers, and he ain't afraid to take a hit. Alex, you you used to work in Cardinal Gibbons for quite some time. You familiar with this young man? And tell us a little bit about the program. Am I familiar with Brock B. Stick? Yes, I am. <laughs> Absolutely tremendous young man from a very uh, academic and athletic pedigree. His older brother, Jack, is a student athlete at Yale University. Okay. Uh, Jack Beastick was a finalist for Cardinal Gibbons' 2018 Male Athlete of the Year Award, football and lacrosse. And I had the privilege of I, I coached Jack in freshman basketball, as a matter of fact. So I've seen Brock since he was a middle schooler. A uh, tremendous young man and everything that Chris just said, his versatility sets him apart in terms of where you can line him up on the field and how many different capacities that you can use him. He was integral to uh, some adjustments that the team had to make last year in pursuing and achieving the school's first state final appearance ever. Okay, I want to I want to jump to another guy in your area, uh, Alex. This is Ethan Har Ethan Harris, Gary of Wake Forest Roseville. Once again, an another big time wide receiver, 6'2", 195. Great run after the catch. But what I like in his highlights is it proves he's a willing blocker. Mm. He included a lot of blocking in here, and and coaches want to see that. College coaches want to see that. 
that you'll get in there and, 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 and hit that linebacker, you know, playing over the slot or crack down on that defensive end. So he, he's got um, highlights in here uh, of him catching the ball at different angles, high pointing the ball, low pointing the ball, catching um, just catching a hitch and running after the catch. So he's a very versatile guy. Um, he, he looks like he can do a little bit of everything. They have him in the slot. They have him on the outside. Um, you can see here's a big play. He's running by guys. Uh, he looks like, might I just clarify, that is Roseville High School. Is that Wake, oh, Wake Forest, Roseville? Uh, just Roseville now. Wake, a number okay. of years ago, Wake Forest, Roseville became just Wake Forest when Rollsville grew to the point where it got its own school. So this is Rollsville High School. You see why we added Alex to the show, guys? You see? Oh, yeah. yeah. Before, we just wouldn't talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that, right? It's just not like that. Well, no, so, hey, so, so to make the other side, uh, was it Leesville Road, Cardinal Gibbons? If we weren't talking about Mallet Creek Vance, we'd be talking about that one game of the week. Both finalists from 4AA, 4A. Alex, take that. I got you. So a great opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. A great rivalry between two schools, uh, which have developed a rivalry in pretty much all sports across the board and two programs that are very hungry to show uh, the continuity in the traditions uh, that are continuing. So uh, certainly, certainly a lot to be said about that game. But uh, I think we all know that for the manifold reasons we discussed earlier that the uh, lights will shine in um, Charlotte this Friday. Well, speaking of lights shining in Charlotte, there's a young man over West Mecklenburg who's pretty special. Who's going to play on Friday nights. Dale, that's your, that's your negative woods. Tell us about Zaire Kenny. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny. Thank you for uh, giving an alumni um, his uh, mm -hmm. school. I, the kid, uh, I'm going to be critical first in that he's highlights too long and his time before plays is too much. But the thing that you'll see, uh, certainly these are his best highlights, but he throws the ball so that it can be caught. But I, none of these uh, highlights do the receivers have to work hard to uh, pull the ball in. He he is able to throw on the run, and, he, and some of his plays you'll see he's got good pocket presence and uh, was able to step up there and make the play. Uh, I like the kid in a in a year that we're losing one of the best quarterbacks we've ha ever had. Um, this kid's gonna uh, he, he's gonna shine in Charlotte, I think this uh, football season. Grace, what do you know about this what young think, man? Right? I, I mispronounced his name. His name is Zaire Kinney. I apologize, but Grace, what do you know about this young man? Yeah, he's you know good quarterback. We saw him last year uh, when we played West Mac um, at home. You know. Definitely, you know, a good throw of the football. He's got to, you know, work on a little bit of improvement. I think he got he matured uh, throughout the year. We got him week four, but some of these highlights you're seeing there later in the season, um, you know, definitely improved mm -hmm. on the deep ball. I think this year will be a pivotal year for him. I mean, I think as a kid that really came into his own as the year went on, this coming year, I think he's going to be, you know, key with that whole program. He's got some young receivers. He's going to be the guy that's got to step up and lead that group if they want to have some success this year. Yeah, first year coach over there. Yeah, that's going to be he is his receivers. Second first year coach. So that's going to be pretty tough. Two years, two different coaches. Yeah. All right, Sam. Here's a guy you might know pretty well. Chance Morrow for West Charlotte, the little basketball player that you've been asking for. He plays a little football. And I'm, I'm going to be really, really honest. Like, uh, 
I really wanted the basketball team to do well. I thought they could win a state championship and I'll stop well out of the playoffs. But I did welcome this guy with well, uh, open arms today at practice. And the thing about him, this, this highlight does nothing to what he can do now. The dude is a legit six six, barefooted, and he can jump out the gym. And so, like on the field, we've already took him to a couple of camps, and he proves it. He's going. I mean, I don't like to throw the ball that much. People say, <laughs> "No, you don't." We'll change that a little bit right here. I'm telling you, he was out. I remember that play was out. <laughs> he, he can. He's. I'm talking about. You just throw it up, and you got a 50-50 chance, 50-50 shot. I'm telling you, he's he's different. Exactly. Like I've never seen someone as big as he is at wide receiver, and he's, he's Harold Carmichael of high school. Nah, he's he's really. Izzy good. has no idea who Harold Carmichael is. She just went who? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He's a Hall of Famer, Kenzie. Is he really? Yeah. I'm just saying. Right here, you just throw it up to him, and he can. Oh yeah, our corners one. Our corners like five ten, man. What do you? Hey, I can't yell at a kid seven inches shorter than his receiver. You try. Everybody has football highlights on their videos, Grace. He, he was only hey, six. Well, you know. Hey, what happened? <laughs> They got the they last laugh. They won the game. They got the last laugh. They won the he game. It's all. Hey, he did it on everybody. I'm just messing, man. I'm just messing. I know. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Talk about what's real right now. Look at the shape up on my man Langston. Like, I mean, you talking about he ready for the show? Hey, it's football time. Everybody's getting ready. SMP, something. Number two guard. Number two guard. Hey, um, so this is Fresh Faces. You guys want to be on the show? Just drop us. You see all of our Twitter handles up there, IG handles. You know, drop us a note. You can be on Fresh Faces. You know, we'll talk over your highlights. If you use those for recruiting, the private school players did. I'm all for it. Do whatever you guys got to do. Um, we're going to pick a high school Heisman just like we did in the fall. We're going to let you guys play maybe one or two weeks. And then Grice and, and Griner will start having their list of who's kind of in the running. And we'll have, a, we'll have a good time with it. But now it's time. Before we get to Chris and the preseason Sweet 16, we got to go to Gloom and Doom and Alex. Oh, so Alex, just so you understand, last year we had a two-minute warning segment with uh, Dale and Gary. We added Kenzie. But every week they were talking about COVID-19 because it was in the news. And so Grice started calling them gloom and doom. So we're going to go <laughs> to gloom and doom and let them have a good time. So let me let me get no everybody COVID. else out of the way. <laughs> and when we come back from the music, Alex, you can take it over with gloom and doom. And we're going to switch it up this year. That sounded like gloom and doom, didn't it? They got to get you a football sign now. That's it, basketball. Hey, man, either way, there is no gloom and doom here. We got enough gloom and doom in this world right now uh, in many ways. But beyond that, we're going to talk good stuff. We're coming down the end of a basketball season, and we're getting ready for a football season. That's why we got Gary Richmond right here. The, like he, he's really a 12 sport guy, but he, he's only coaching. I mean, w w whatever he's coaching too right now, but so let's go from uh, basketball to football right here. And even though Gary can coach about 12 sports at the same time right now, one's got to go. 
So uh, let's take a look here. Uh, let's get it going here. NFL color commentators. Tony Romo, Chris Collinsworth, Troy Aikman. Who's going, Kenzie? Oh, Collinsworth. Easy. Romo's got to stay. He's entertaining. They never really taught him how to be an announcer, so he just goes off and, you know, tells you what's going to happen. It's it's a great, great way to watch the game. And, you know, Aikman's a legend, and I like to hear legends talk. So, Dale. And Collins worse than that legend too. <laughs> Just maybe a little too old for you for to, to be that legend. This is a hard one for me, but um no, I shouldn't say a hard one because there's two there I'd kick. Uh, I'm keeping I'm keeping <laughs> I'm not a Cowboys fan, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh I don't know. I I, I do like Collinsworth actually. I, I do. So uh it's hard between Romo and Aikman, but I do like to I, I can agree with Kinsey on hearing a legend talk and uh Romo's gotta go. Jerry. Uh I think Romo is the best at predicting what is going to happen next and it really explaining the game. Uh, he has a, a great knack for that. I wish he could predict what the defense was going to do when he was playing quarterback, though. Ain't that <laughs> a lot of untimely interceptions. Um, but the one that's going to go for me, too, is, is Collinsworth. When I look at him, I, I just think about Captain Obvious. You know, you have a commercial, Captain Obvious. It looks like Chris Collinsworth with a mustache. So uh, he's the one that's got to go because I'm the two Cowboys. Well, speaking of Captain mm -hmm. Obvious, I'm going to explain something here and why Gary had to point out that Romo knew exactly what was going to happen before plays unfolded. Well, Romo's got to go because he knew exactly what was going to happen and we saw exactly what was going to happen. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. Romo knows this because it's the same thing that happened when he played. It's the same thing that's going to happen to the Cowboys next year. Romo <laughs> never played in the Super Bowl, and the Cowboys aren't playing in the Super Bowl next year. So Romo never played in a Super Bowl. Unlike Collinsworth and Aikman, Romo's got to go. And he can come up here to Charlotte and chill with Gary, and they can sit and watch Captain Obvious who, who's played on the last day of the season and Troy Aikman, who's won on the last day of the season. Romo's gone. Uh, moving right along. Yeah. All right, pregame <laughs> shows here. Fox, CBS, ESPN, NFL Network. Who's going? Go for it, Kenzie. This one's hard because, you know, you have to consider fantasy football and mm. which show is going to give you the best advice for fantasy football, all the up-to-date information. So – I mean, personally, I'm going to X out ESPN just because I feel like Fox, CBS, and NFL Network really focus in just on the NFL and game day. Um, and ESPN's great. Um, and, you know, there's different aspects to that. But I'm a big Fox, CBS, NFL Network guy on game day, ESPN every other day of the week to prepare. Gary? Uh, for me, because I'm a, I'm a Cowboy fan and a Panthers fan, um, I definitely want to see the Fox pregame show because generally the Panthers and, and Cowboys play on Fox. Um, I think ESPN is, is very entertaining. I think the NFL 
network has access to all the latest information, especially fantasy. And I'm a big fan. I'm in about three fantasy leagues. So that's important to me. So the one that's got to go is CBS. And that's just simply because I'm not an AFC guy. I'm a, I'm an NFC guy. And, and um, CBS is primarily an AFC uh, network. Yeah. It's what you watch. Exactly. So for me, it would be hard to toss Fox because I'm a Panthers fan. So that's like an obvious keep. I think Kenzie's um, uh, analysis of all the others is accurate. I really like ESPN, but I don't think uh, if I had to choose one on Sunday that I or I could choose all except for one to watch, I'm afraid I'd have to kick ESPN simply because I don't think I would get all the information. I get a lot of good plays and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, ESPN would go for me. You know, as far as I'm concerned, all of them can go. I want to see the game. <laughs> I don't need another two hours of overhype that yields nothing when it's said and done. And I'd also like to point out that all of them have done and continue to do a woefully inadequate job of fostering authentic, meaningful opportunities for women and minorities in sports. I don't need to watch any of these shows who aren't going to pave the way for the day several years from now when it's time to hire Kenzie McLean. If you can't hire Kenzie McLean, I don't have any use for you. But I'm ser seriously, if you are not going to foster meaningful opportunities for minorities and women in sports, in sports journalism, which, which requires appropriate academic training and, ex and additional credentialing to be credible, reputable, truthful, and effective. And you are not going to seek to expand your reach to bring in additional market segments to widen the scope of your audience and widen the scope of those whom you seek to serve. And you don't have any problem making millions off of these people then I have no use for you. So until all of these entities change in that regard, they all can go as far as I'm concerned. Moving right along. <laughs> all right, tailgate food. Wings, hot dogs, hamburgers. What's going, Kenzie? For me, I'm a big hot dog guy, not going to lie. Um, depends on the burger. Not a huge char guy. Big fan of like a diner. On the on the griddle, that's fantastic. Probably not going to get that at a tailgate though. So, um, but I'm still going to get rid of wings just because I'm a more of a hot dog burger person. Dale, man, you know where's the pork butt and the <laughs> other things that we do at, at tailgates? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is tough because done right, all of them are good. Um, but at a tailgate, it's probably hard to get wings right. Uh, I like hot dogs. I love burgers. You know, I'm going to keep those two. Sure. So wings, and I love wings. I'm sorry, wings. <laughs> yeah, th this is a tough one because a good tailgate will have all three. Um, yeah. But... If I have to give up one, it's probably going to be hot dogs. I can get the hot dogs in the stadium. Um, you know, sitting around 
hanging out with with friends prior to the game. Um, you know, when when you get that tailgate food, somebody's out. First of all, they're not gonna bring wings if they're not done right because they don't want to get laughed at. You know, so um, I, I'm gonna get rid of hot dogs because I can get that in the stadium. Unless they're brought. Now we got to look at this from a practical perspective here. Look at these foods, all of which are good at a tailgate. But if we're at the game, one of them is going to be too messy in terms of preparing it and eating it. Oh, come on. You can't mess up your finest attire. Come on now. That means the wings have to go. Wings are going to take too long to do them well. They're going to get too messy on your hands and, are, and and leave you most vulnerable for your Saturday or Sunday finest being marred. And it's just too hard in terms of what you have to do to cook them on site and do them well. Hot dogs and hamburgers are closer to more manageable finger food and easier to grill more quickly at a tailgate. The wings are good. Before a tailgate, the wings have to go. Not to, not to mention that you're probably going to be licking your fingers in these COVID days. So. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Exactly. Yeah, so they got to go. And the last one we got today. <laughs> the cheerleaders, the marching band, or the national anthem? What's got to go, Kenzie? Um, you know... This is so random, but I've always enjoyed watching the marching band, so they definitely have to stay. Big marching band guy. Um, the cheerleaders are always good for some in-game entertainment. I think it kind of depends on which level we're at, you know, high school, college, so not NFL. Um, I'm kind of scared of the backlash I may receive either way I go on the national anthem. So, um, But I'm going to go uh, – the national anthem, just because I think the other two are more entertaining. Eric, uh, I'm like Kenzie. It's it's the national anthem. I mean, I, I think people say, well, it's tradition, but what they really don't understand, especially at the professional level, the you know the Department of Defense has paid the NFL millions of dollars over the years to to be patriotic and and to play the anthem and you know, have the players come out and toe the line. And and um, I just think with the anthem, and, and, you know, I'm just as patriotic as anybody else, but what other job or social activity do people go to and they play the anthem first? I mean, you don't go to the movies and hear the anthem. You don't go to your job and hear the anthem. You don't go to class as a student and hear the anthem. It's I don't know why they just picked sports out to to do the anthem. Um, I, I, I think in this day and age, um, I, I can do without the anthem. Man, I so, got like if you've told that line and just felt the chills every single game, it never fails when that anthem plays. We get chills when we're at the uh, the York Indian Land game with Chris and, and Sam. We're sitting there. And you just got that moment. Football was back at a time we didn't know we were going to have football. It, it, it lets you know that, hey, what's about to happen is something we've been waiting for for a while, man. Like that's 
I can't. Like, and, and I love cheerleaders. Competitive cheering is fine. That's great. It's a sport. But in the game, if you have a band, you don't hear the cheerleaders. Like, I know we had, like, I always call, you know, our, our directors, you know, I call him, he's an HBCU band director because he doesn't care whether we're on offense or defense. They are playing and they are blowing. I've told him plenty of times, hey, like, I can't hear. He just shrug his shoulders and keep on playing. It's like it's like uh, Day Anthony Brown and Drumline. He just, you know, dancing and playing the band. So you can't hear the cheerleaders. Like, they can go. Like, they have their competitive stuff. They can go win. But at the game, the band's drowning them out. So keep my national anthem. We got, hey, that is that okay. one moment to be quiet before the so, storm, man. It's nothing like it. All right, Dale. So, yeah, I hear what he says, and unfortunately for him, I believe that uh, cheerleaders are an integral part of athletics. And um, Gary was going down the correct path because I've had this thought a lot about uh, should we be playing the national anthem. I have a son that's in the Navy still. Two two sons served, and uh, I get chills when I hear the national anthem. Yes, I'm. I think I'm uh, highly patriotic, but the the fitting it into sports was really it was wedged in on us to indoctrinate us into being patriotic, and it's not the like you say it's not in in all the uh, all of our jobs. Um, it's not an uh, in interaction of everything, and that's another thing that I'll look at. Especially we talk about high school guys. This is about primarily about high school. And one of the um, my visions when I created Carolina Varsity was to enhance everyone's high school experience. And that means coaches, parents, students. And uh, band is, an, I think, an integral part of a high school game. Yeah, uh, Grice is right. You can't hear over them. And they can be very, very uh, pumping to the fans. The, the cheerleaders, while you may not be able to hear them, you know, uh, hold them back, hold them back. They're still a part of the whole experience, the entire game. Whereas the anthem's just there at the very beginning. So I don't think the country is going to fall apart if we uh, got rid of the national anthem at a, a high school event. Let me see if I can bring us together on this one. I think we're getting caught on the fact that the way that this question is phrased sets up the understanding that there has to be a degree of mutual exclusivity here when it can be all in the same. Notice that two of these three in the one has, one's got to go involve people. The other is a song which doesn't have a degree of tangibility to it. The fact that you have people who are the inspiration for the music and can be the conveyors of the message through song allows all of these to be mutually inclusive. So that being said, the national anthem as a song in this group with two other people can go. The national anthem can be preserved because it is the marching band that will be the vehicle or the instruments, pun intended, that will lead us in conveying and celebrating a patriotic spirit. The national anthem and other music too can be celebrated with rich traditions, including the pregame 
for which the cheerleaders and the band are integral. We're going to keep the band on this show when we're celebrating high schools like West Charlotte with Coach Griner and uh, Dudley from which Coach Tinsley graduated. The band is integral to that experience. The cheerleaders are integral to that experience. And bringing together, as Dale spoke about, our, our competing student athletes on the gridiron, our competing student athletes who are our spirit leaders as cheerleaders and our gifted and talented musicians and understanding that there is significant overlap among those groups too contributes to fostering, cultivating, and celebrating the holistic formative high school educational experience, which can include the infusion of the national anthem into the activities of those groups. So it can be the best of all worlds. So for the sake of this question, eliminate the song itself, which can be celebrated and conveyed by the people. So it still does prevail. All right. Well, the, thank you, Alex. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for, for your answer. I appreciate it. That was not gloom and doom today, guys. Never. Nope. Never. Right? It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't gloom and doom. We, we, we were we were had a little fun, little smiles during gloom and doom time. We even changed the name. We're trying to make it different. Now, uh, Sam, a couple years ago when we started this show, you and I read off the Sweet 16 at the beginning of the year, and people got excited about it. And uh, I asked Chris to help me this year with the poll because I really believe that Chris is the most knowledgeable guy in North Carolina for high school football. And I say that till you know, they run me out of Charlotte Observer. I really honestly believe that. And I think that having him be a part of the poll gets people off my back a little bit because I got the expert helping me out right now. <laughs> so this is the part show everybody's waiting on. We're going to talk about the 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 second Sweet 16. We're going to show you that real quick, and then we're going to go to the Sweet 16 when we get back on the other side of Christine. Wow. Uh, I get to follow up Alex Bass. I mean, that's incredible right there. He is a wealth of knowledge and, and all. Uh, but at Langston's right, we did uh, debut the second Sweet 16 last night, uh, in case some of you guys missed it. Uh, this is an idea that I kind of uh, floated to, to Langston a couple weeks ago. It really is an opportunity for me to be able to, to really showcase more teams because let's just face it, the Charlotte area has grown so much, and there's, there, there's really probably about 40 excellent football teams, maybe a little bit more than that in this area, uh, that are phenomenal and are going to have great seasons. And, and we can't we can't put them all in the Sweet 16. Uh, so this was our chance. So we debuted it last night. Uh, I'm going to go through them really quickly. You see coming in there, uh, 32nd, West Rowan, uh, Central Cabarrus, Anson County, Hickory, Indy, uh, Maiden, Watauga, Porter Ridge. Uh, we'll flip the screen up here and, and debut the upper half of that. Um, right, give, me, give me a second. Give me a second. I, I got new, I got <laughs> me new, to talk so fast for you there. Um, yeah. new, new software. Hold on. Hold on. Hold it's on, okay. Hold on. It's okay. I got to make, I gotta make sure I, I show the right one because I mess up the other one <laughs> if, if I show the wrong one. Oh, here speaking, we go. Of, speaking of independence, that we are signed, sealed, and delivered on our game in the fall. So we're bringing that nice. back. Outstanding, nice. outstanding. Um, unfortunately, Sam, you don't see your name on here, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, <laughs> you see the other half of it. Uh, Cox, Mill, Cox Mill, Newton Conover, Alexander Central, Lake Norman, North Lincoln, Olympic, Mooresville, 
or Drakel. These are all phenomenal football teams. And 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 I went through if you if you followed the show from last night, I kind of gave a little brief bio of each team, and I think they are all legit football teams. Uh, and but you know you can only have one Sweet Sixteen, and and we're about to roll with that tonight, Langston. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys can see Chris's total breakdown on those if you uh, go to our webpage and look at the show from last night with the basketball coaches. And I'm just making sure I show the right one, Chris. I don't want to show the right and before, one. And, and before you show it, Langston, I do want to say this, and you and I talked about this. Uh, I will admit that that sometimes we can be wrong. I've been wrong many times in doing rankings over the last 10 or 15 years. Preseason rankings are absolutely the hardest to do because you don't have a lot of body of work to go at. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that we're probably making a mistake. And <laughs> so that means you see, you see his Twitter on the screen. When you're angry, send him the DM, not to that guy on the left. Send it to me. And before, I know we went through the 32 through 17, but I do want to give a shout out to these teams because, again, Charlotte football is loaded, guys. Uh, Mountain Island Charter probably should have been in it. West Charlotte, I know, Sam, you're right there on the precipice of getting in the in the game. South Point's going to be really good. I think South Mech's going to be uh, better. Grice, I haven't – Hopewell, you, you guys are on my radar. Uh, West Mecklenburg, Northwest Cabarrus, Hunter Huss, Statesville, Marvin Ridge, Monroe, Freedom, uh, Chase. Who else are we thinking about? West Stanley, North Stanley, North Rowan. There's some really good football teams in there, but there can only be one Sweet 16, and I think it's about time that we quit teasing them and get ready to roll with it, Langston. There it is. Sam, before, right. Chris talks, before Chris talks, what jumps out at you about that eight, Sam? The one that jumps out the most. Uh, I think Hickory Ridge should be a little higher. I, 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 I will talk about that. I think Jupiter Wilson's doing a phenomenal job. You know, uh, he's he's they're going to be great. Uh, Kings Mountain, I think, could maybe be higher. I know I got my eyes on Kings Mountain because starting in the fall, we're 3A, and we that's somebody we would have to go through to, yeah. to run the championship. Um, Butler, I think, is is definitely climbing up the ladder. They got a lot of guys that came into their school this year, and, uh, you know, Hells always does a great job. A.L. Brown, still one of the best coaches around, and Mike Newsom. Um, High Brighton. Newsom thinks he's got a squad this year, fellas. Newsom thinks he's got a squad. Yeah, they got. He does. He's he's got a good team, and he's he does so much behind the scenes. Like, see that type of county, they're able to do more than like a CMS team. So, what I think you're going to see this Sweet Sixteen is some of the Charlotte teams, even though we're so talented in certain areas. The problem is there's going to be a few of them that drop back off because we ain't had no weight room from mm. since the summer. We can't do none of that. So, like an inner city school, you know, some of these kids can't afford to go pay for like a membership to go work out somewhere. So there's been no weight room since, right. you know, COVID, you know. So. All right, let's, Chris, break it down for us. Your sweet 16, give her, give every team a little bit of glory. Let's go. All right, well, let's start right there at number 16 with Salisbury. The Hornets are loaded, and that's plain and simple. They return eight starters on offense, uh, six starters from what statistically was the best defense in North Carolina last year. And, oh, by the way, they returned one of the best players I've seen in high school football this year in Jalen Walker. Uh, this team made the state championship a year ago, lost to Shelby, and and I think they very well could make it back in. Uh Sam, you're absolutely right about Hickory Ridge. We see them there in 15th. Uh, I feel that this team could be a little bit down in the rankings, but uh, we really think that they'll have a chance to, to really show uh, what they're made of. I, I truthfully think that this is going to be a huge year for Jupiter Wilson and that entire program, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Southwest 4A outright. So, so you're, you're – 
You That's hit the nail on the head. I'm just going to say it. Uh, right there ahead of them, Myers Park. Uh, you know, we know the story. No Scott Chadwick, uh, no Drake May. Uh, but I do think Coach Mark Carmen and that crew will be a tough out for anybody they face. Uh, but let's be real. They've lost a lot of pieces and, and some very key pieces. Uh, so, you know, I think the story's yet to be told on them. Uh, but, you know, we still respect the program. So they're, 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 they're kind of chilling out right there. Uh, there was a scenario, and Langston to be the first to tell you, that I didn't want to put them in this week 16 because I didn't yeah. think they were there. Uh, given all that's happened, uh, but they're still a fine program. So, you know, we're going to kind of wait and see what happens with them. Uh, 13 right there, we got High Brighton. I love this team. I love the coach, the community, everything that's awesome about high school football is awesome with what we see up there in High Brighton. Now, that Lenore community, they really support football. Uh, we sh we showcased uh, Tlaib Howe. In fact, he was my kid on Fresh Faces a few months ago. Uh, he, I think he's one of those cogs that's going to make that team roll. Uh, number 12 there, we see Burns. And, and, and really, the Bulldogs is that typical Cleveland County powerhouse. There's just something in the water down there in Cleveland County uh, that makes those teams just a little bit different than the rest of North Carolina. Uh, they're coming off a 12-3 and three season to where two of those losses was to the same team in Shelby, both of them very close. Uh, I think they're the, probably the second most talented team in the entire 2A, even more so than a Reedsville. Uh, right there at 11, uh, Sam, you mentioned Kings Mountain. Had this poll come out last fall when we played football in the fall, I think Kings Mountain would have been a top three team. I truly do. Uh, coming into 2020, I thought they had the absolute best roster in all of 3A. Uh, the loss of wideout Kobe Pesor was huge. You know, he went down to, to Gaffney, uh, and I really think that hurt the team. Uh, but they've got a true field general in the quarterback, Ethan Reed. He's a legit 6'4", 6'5", passed for about 2,800-plus yards last year, give or take, somewhere around in there. They're still going to be a really, really, really tough team. Um Let's look right there at Butler. You mentioned them. You know, this is one of those teams you can't ever count out. Uh, I really feel that Butler over the years has kind of become a little bit of that blue collar, you know, bring your lunch pail to work kind of team. And I think that's reminiscent of their uh, coach and, and Brian Hells. Uh, we all know how tough he is. And, and there you see right there, number um, nine, A.L. Brown. I haven't felt this much hype or anticipation for a season in Kannapolis since the Nick Maddox era. This could be Mike Newsom's best shot at a state title. His junior quarterback, Cam Croma, is really special. He's someone that I think you need to, to take a look out for. All right, Sam, give me your top three. Who do you think it is? Um, it's pretty simple. It's going to be Vance. It's going to be Huff. And is Richmond County involved? Uh, they're still sweet. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it right so, there. Give, give me your give me your order of the, of those three. What what's your order? Um, if I went in order, is is the quarterback? At, is he playing for Richmond County or did he go? I don't. Know he situation. went. He left. He left. He left. All right. So I'm gonna say Vance number one. I'm gonna say Huff two, and then Richmond County three. Bam! There All it right. is. What do you think, Cap, Sam? Yeah. That's the ranking. What do you think? I, hey, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Vance, Richmond County. Uh, Huff, Huff is too far down. They're, they're super talented. Um, Charlotte Catholic and Weddington, I got no problems with that. They could easily take over one and two spots, both of those programs. Um, Shelby, yeah, I like I'm it all. I'm going to tell you one thing, Sam. Mike Broderwitz has told me and Chris and several other people that you should have got him last year. <laughs> yeah, you should have got him. He's about to have a run. 
So in a year when everybody's COVID and guys are leaving and Catholic guys are staying, I think Catholic may start number three, but they can very well finish number yeah. one. Yeah, but they, Chris, they, let's hear about them, Chris. Let's hear, let's hear the breakdown. Starting Chris. Well, he's starting right there, number eight, Chris. They've played a lot, a lot of really young players over the past few years. I think this is going to be that breakout year for Coach Nick Eddins. I uh, really like the senior running back, TJ Ruff, that he has. I think that the Chargers are a bona fide state title contender. Now, I talked to Nick Eddins tonight, and he's still trying to tell me that they're going to be awful, uh, but I think he's sandbagging <laughs> with me right there. Uh, so I'm, I'm really high on that. Uh, right there at seven and six together, we see Huff, we see Mallard Creek. Uh, you're right, Sam, incredible talent there at Huff. But you know what? You got great players, great programs, uh, great players. I don't see uh, anyone tripping up the creek uh, with their new coach. Obviously, we had Coach Tennedy, uh, Kennedy Tinsley on there tonight. Uh, he's been a good friend of mine for a long time, and I know the program will excel under his his tutelage, and, and you mentioned Huff. They are exceptionally talented. Coach Matt Jenkins, I think the world of him. Uh, I still want to see them get to that big game. Uh, they, 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 they've been right there on that precipice of doing it, and this very well may be the year. Uh, so, um, you know, that that's what I'm, I'm excited about. But we've mentioned this. You know, you look at the conference there. We, we see these elite teams, Mallard Creek, Huff. Uh, Vance, you know, only two of those guys are going to make the playoffs. So, you know, that's something for us to keep a lookout for. Uh, right there, number five, Shelby. Uh, what more can we say about this program? All they do is win, 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 no matter what. New coaches, new players, same results every year. Uh, they probably could have been number three based on talent if you really want to look at it. Oh, by the way, they got a four-star outside linebacker in Malachi Hamrick, who's going to be committing or Don't making his always have a four-star outside linebacker every year. Yep, uh, he's going to be making his choice. Yeah, He's going to be making his choice Friday afternoon at four. So uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be hearing about that. Yeah. You know, here's where I'm probably going to get a little bit of hate mail, and it's okay. Obviously, we see Catholic and Weddington right there at number four. Sam uh, I know I'm getting hate mail with Weddington. Sam is so happy because his guy ain't in Weddington. He can talk about Weddington now because he was scared to death to talk about Weddington last yeah, year. Know. Number nine was there. He was scared to death. Here, here's what I'll say about waiting to know. I may get some hate mail about this ranking, and that's fine. I've been wrong about them before, uh, but here's their chance to once again prove me wrong. They've done it before, and based on Andy Capone's track record as the head coach, they very well may do it. But, you know, it's hard to replace a generational player like Will Shipley, and I do call him a generational player because just guys like that just don't come around uh, like him. Uh, but I'll say this, Weddington won state championships before Will Shipley showed up, and they won state championships before Capone showed up. Uh, so, you know, they are a proven team uh, that reloads. They they don't rebuild. And, and speaking of reloading, Charlotte Catholic, you know, all they do is reload and just continue to dominate teams. And you're right, Langston, because Mike Brodowitz told me this as well. He told me before their state championship run in 2019 that you better get us this year because he has told me that this next two- to three-year run that he had coming through was better than any class he's ever seen at Catholic. Mm -hmm. And for him to tell me that, you know, I really think that that says something special about that program. You know, that big red machine, all they continue to do is just chew up and spit out teams. And it don't matter if they're playing big time teams or whoever, they just seem to win. Uh, and there you see the top two teams. Uh, number two, uh, Richmond County, you know, no Caleb Hood, no problem. I don't see a problem with that. Uh, that program has been lifting weight since last spring. Uh, and that's a huge deal in a season like we're seeing right now. Uh, no, no, Kayla Hood, no problem. I'm saying uh, they're definitely a great team because they, you know, they they honor basically their head football coach and they're all tough minded and they work out. But yes. 
That Caleb Hood is something different, though. He, he I'm gonna tell you what, though. I've been saying this about Caleb Hood. I think his younger brother Kellen, who's gonna be the quarterback, could be an even better athlete. Uh, I think that that could still be a really, really special deal. And, and right there, number one team, we've already talked about them tonight. Hey, no power echoes. I don't think it's a problem there either because I love the culture, and I'm gonna use that word culture that Coach Glenwood Ferriby has created for that program. They got athletes all over the field, uh, but I, I see a unique bond or a tightness with that team that you just don't see in a lot of other places as well. And that's really what elevated them to that top spot for me. All right, Grace, you saw the point. I got to interject. I mean, what more does Capone have to do to get your respect? You're talking about prove me wrong. He's lost, what, two games in his career? And he ain't got nothing to do with Andy Capone. It has nothing to do with him. I think a lot of him. Uh, he he is a tremendous coach, and you're right. For his age, I think he just now turned 30, and he's like got like a 103 record or something crazy like that. I know it ain't quite 100 or 102, but um, it, again, it's just that generational player like a Will Shipley. Guys like that are just hard to replace. I've seen it happen to other schools, but they're they're still right there, and they still very well may win the state championship. And Hey, I've given them something to, to hang their hat on. And, you know, they're going to put a picture of me in the locker room and throw darts at me. And you know what? That's fine. I'm, I'm willing to take on that. <laughs> they burden. did it to Sam last year. Oh, that was Richmond County and Weddington. They're like, Sam can't go to Richmond and he can't go to Weddington. It's like. <laughs> hey, Richmond County likes me. And then we're tight. Remember, man, he went to Clemson. Like, I'm a big Clemson fan, so, you know. I, but then, I, tell the truth. When they gave you that barbecue in Richmond, you were thinking about it before you bid it. You were like, eh, I don't know. Well, just for you. <laughs> the only meat I'm going to eat is if Dale smokes it now because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I eat vegetarian stuff. So, I just kind of – I think they looked at me differently when I didn't want to eat that uh, burger that they had for right. me in Richmond County. So, <laughs> All right, well, I, I, I messed up, fellas. I, I, the new theme music isn't ready. I, I took out the old theme music out of the system, so I can't play it. But we're going to go to Coach versus Coach, so I'm going to get out of here and let you guys have a little fun. Chris, we don't, yeah, we don't need no music. Thunderdome. Yep. Hey. Lock the door, Chris. Do some, like, <laughs> lock the door, Chris. Go ahead and lock it. You, you, you seem a little hyper now, Coach. Ultimate Warrior. Ah. Yeah, hey, yeah, I hear you. hey, well, hey, let's have a little bit of fun. Hey, we had a lot of fun doing our, our videos and stuff. I, I was able to do a lot of fun with uh, Langston uh, getting ready for this Sweet 16. And obviously, I love the work that we put in the offseason. Grice, you running. Sam, you lifting. I've been running a little bit too. Uh, so I feel like we're really ready for this coach versus coach in this 2021 spring season. Uh, so, hey, well, let's start off with that. More fun playing high school football right now in the winter going into the spring or high high school in the fall. Coach uh, Sam, you're right there in the middle. Let's go with you first. Yeah, this is this is pretty easy. Football is made to be played in the fall. Um, I, I'm really excited that we're getting a chance to play, but it's different. It's rain and gloomy right now in practice, and it's very, very difficult for teams that don't have turf to practice on the field right now because their field is not drying. So I don't know how much quality they're getting right now. Um, and I think that playing in the fall, if you get really, really good, you get past, um, you know, like I said, if you play, if you're practicing on Thanksgiving, then you're a great team and uh, you start appreciating the cold. Do you see what I'm saying? You start appreciating it. Now everybody like dreads the cold and now you got to be just good enough to get through the cold to get to the spring. So I, I, it's, it's not even a close, to be honest with you. Like I would never, ever want to 
playing the spring again, but I'm just happy we're getting to play. Oh man, I you know what? This question had you asked me before before we prepare for this season, I'd have been right with Griner. But I love the spring. I love the chance, even though we do have a grass field. I grew up that way. You know, I'd love something about and you you got turf, Griner. Stop acting like you one of us. You, hey, you got a turf field. Stop trying to you're trying to act like you're one of us. You ain't one of us. We play our home game. I love playing in the spring again. Guys are able to, to get acclimated without worrying about crazy heat. Everybody talks about the rain, but how many times do we remember the thunderstorms ruining practice? When they ruin practice, they ruin practice for everybody. And going through the 30-minute waiting period, having those trainers that saw lightning 35 miles away, and they remember it because they saw it on their machine, not because they saw it in the sky. You now can't practice. You don't have to worry about that. I love just – and, again, I, I'm a guy – you know, I like to throw the ball. Those games that matter later on, I like the warm weather and having that opportunity to really play the ball in the warm. Hey, the, when it matters, again, I love the cold and practicing on Thanksgiving. How about playing in May? How about playing first week of May? That That's a new trend I like, man. You know, So I've gotten acclimated to it. I think it's going to be great. And teams, I think, that go, go deep in the playoffs are going to love playing in warm weather. Coach Griner, I'm going to have to agree with you, but I'm going to I want to kind of go twofold in this. You know, we heard Mac Brown say a little bit ago that our state association needs spring football, so I think it needs to be both. We need to be playing spring ball right now, but we really need to play be playing football in the fall. Uh, so you know, I could go 50-50 on this question, uh, but I've got to side with Coach Griner in that. But hey, next question right here: Is the NCHSAA right to go with a ten-game regular season and a longer playoff, uh, or or do you think differently, Coach Grice? What you got? Yeah, give me the regular season games. I, I think that the eleven-game season produces better quality playoffs. You know, we all hate you know the playoffs. You know, when you got a, a three and eight team that makes it, and and you know they really didn't do anything to get there, and next thing you know they're getting blown out forty-two to three in the first round by a, a really quality and battle-tested three seed. So I think it's one of those where get let teams prove their worth over an eleven game season. Ensure schools also are getting their guaranteed money. That's another subject for another coach versus coach. And make sure that we when we have playoffs, you have quality teams. I mean, you look at even Vance, you know, through an eleven game period. It's seven versus ten game was Butler versus Vance. That is a primetime matchup that we had in the first round last year. I didn't want to see a three and eighteen play play an eight and three team and sitting here and have to watch people waltz through the playoffs and not really get key games. You look at the at the run a team like Vance had to make. There's no question why they were champions. Don't give me ten games and, and an extra round in these teams that don't deserve to be in there. I want quality playoff games. It's better for the fans. It's better for the coaches. And it's better for the players that are trying to go to the next level. You know, it's, it's good thoughts you have, but you're still wrong. It's okay. We're used to that. Um, but Here's the deal. Vance was on the cuff of not even making the playoffs last year. Like they were very, they did the most miraculous thing ever and they won. But all of a sudden you would think differently if that happens. I think it gives a longer playoff. Everybody, we're going to the playoffs. More teams get to experience it. Ten games, you're always just throwing in an endowment game and no one even plays the JV game. It's not even that serious. I, I, I love the, 10-game regular season, longer playoff, give everybody a chance, then everybody's like, hey, record don't matter no more, win and move on. And, like, <laughs> all right, so March Madness, March Madness, what if they didn't let some of those teams get in there just because they won their con- – you know what I'm saying? There's and basketball. What? 
basketball. You see, you know, Vance didn't almost not make the playoffs. They made it pretty comfortable. We had two other teams below them that made the playoffs. I want quality teams. This ain't basketball. I don't want to see freaking Drake playing in University of Northern Iowa. This ain't what this is. Give me the Blue Bloods of this conference. Give me the Blue Bloods around here in the city. Make them square off, and we'll get some good football. Not trying to get security. Let me give you guys a compromise. I am a fan of the 10-game schedule because, you know, I don't want to see a 17-week season, but I have come up with a little bit of a compromise. I will take an 11-game season. But, you know, we're, we're going to go down to four playoff game, or four, four playoff brackets, just straight 1A through 4A. I would take eight brackets like we've got today if we would go back to the four-week playoff like we did prior to 1985. So play the 11-game schedule and then play a four-week playoff bracket with eight state champions Shorter season still, and we've still got a lot of champions. That that would be my compromise. I can see the, the pros and cons of both sides. Uh, but let's go to the final question here tonight in coach versus coach. Uh, and I'm going to give you first shot at this one, Coach uh, Griner. Uh, should we have predetermined playoff brackets or should we use the max prep system? You know, I'm old enough to remember in high school where we had the predetermined brackets. So we knew that if we beat so-and-so, we were going to play so-and-so in the playoffs. Uh, you, you know, I'm up for discussion. So, Coach Griner, what you got? Yeah, it's definitely max prep system. It, this is not close either, I think, because there's too many conferences that, like, you know, the IMAC, the one we're playing in, like, <laughs> we don't have any preseason-type games, non-conference games. And I'm talking about, like, we're going straight against Lake Norman right from the get-go, who I feel like been practicing since the summer. <laughs> in the weight room, the whole deal, like, I'm giving all these speeches. I'm like, these guys are just eating iron and spitting it out, the whole deal. And that's just and, – and they're not even considered a top three team in, in our conference. Do you see what I'm saying? And they're really good. And I'm just like, it. So I think that the max prep system gives teams like, you know, Hopewell and West Charlotte, it gives them a chance because we're playing such touch, tough competition that if we sneak and win a few games, we can get into the playoffs and then I think anything can happen. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, I think this is choosing between a rock and a hard place. We got screwed from the, the max prep systems, and I think the predetermined brackets are absolute trash. But the one thing at least I do like about the predetermined brackets is if you're going to do me wrong, at least I know exactly how you're doing me wrong. You know, the max prep system, you have some convoluted – I tell, like I tell our kids, I was like, hey, we need to win these certain games, you're going to get the mathematicians involved. Anytime you get the mathematicians involved, they're not going to give you a, a, an answer that makes sense without sitting there for 10 or 15 minutes. So at least from the predetermined bracket size, if you're going to do me wrong, I know exactly how you're doing it. I, you know, you know, Grant, I don't like to go to the store and I see a 20% off sticker, yet they tell me it doesn't count because a certain date, because something, something crazy that I don't have any you know, control over. That's what I feel like what this is. I'm sitting yeah. here on a Saturday refreshing the screen yeah. to find what the, what the rankings are and how I lost this game and yet I moved up a slot because it's Mallet Creek, but then I beat West Charlotte and I only moved one. Like, I, I don't get what's going on here, and that's why I hate the Max Prep. I understand. You know, if I could interject my point here, I think there's a system out there that could be good, but I don't know that Max Preps is necessarily that system. And, and I'll throw this reason here out there. One, it, it's a very protected system that you do not know the factors that go into their algorithms and how it comes out right, wrong, or indifferent. Coach Scott Chadwick, when he was at Myers Park, told me this all the time. He said it affects who we try to schedule. We wouldn't be trying to schedule these teams out of state and, you know, South Point and, and Mallard Creek and all these teams if, if we, all we had to do is go out and win. He said we'd schedule whoever. So, you know, I just feel like it should be a little bit more transparent as to what goes in that Mallard or that that Mac, that Mac, 
Max Prep, sorry, uh, tongue-tied, Max Prep system. Uh, so coaches and teams know exactly what they got to do. So like you said, Coach Grice, you get the cash register and you really don't know what it is you're buying. Well, here's the thing. If Grice was a better communicator when he got to the cash register, he would get the 20% off anyway. So that's the whole deal. I don't have a hair like you. I can't sit here and like fuck like my hair and tell him I'm vegan and this is awesome and this is what I do. Give me some money. Like, I can't do that. Like, you already, you know, get enough of me anyway. So they're not going to give me, they're going to be a hard time. Man, you are. You can't even say anything. See, you know. Go to Sarah's final thoughts. Oh, God. All right, well, we had a long, heavy – Gary, I told you we going to be heavy tonight. I didn't think we were going to be two hours and 20 minutes heavy. we like getting into Justice League territory. We're getting heavy. Yeah, you chop it up and put it out there. Chop it up. We, no, we would definitely, we, we definitely be chopping up starting tomorrow and put it out there. But um, before we get out of here, we got to put Sam in the one shot, as we always do, the big star of the show. I feel like uh, Chris Cromo, uh, the big star, Sam Grinder. No, not big star, um, but definitely I just want to give a lot of credit to the guy that really deserves it. I've never been a part of a program before when my athletic director cares so much about me. He said the most amazing thing to me the other week, um, like we had a bad practice and uh, we were talking. And he's like, Sam, I don't think you understand outside of your family. I want you to succeed more than anybody else out there. And it meant so much to me that he really, really does support me. He wants me to succeed. He's like, you're my first coach that I ever hired. And I said, well, I never thought about it like that, and I appreciate it. So I just want to give a big shout-out to the West Charlotte. I've never been a part of something. It's very tough where we're at trying to get kids to come out because they all have rides to get to school and things like that. But I tell you what, I appreciate the struggle that I'm in, and there's going to be glory in the long road coming all right um dale you wanted to say something about something and i uh, forgot before i got <laughs> in but you, had, <laughs> you had a thought 30 seconds 30 seconds 30 seconds oh boy uh for me there's a whole life of having played ball uh coach a little attended a lot and the smells the feel all of that that comes with it uh, going from summer to winter, the whole environment, uh, that is football. And now we're going to have, it's not even the reverse of it. The smells aren't the same. So for me, that is an impact of, uh, I can sit and think about how it was and get those feelings and, Thus, I'm I'm a fall football guy. I would like to see some other sports in the uh, in, with the football athletes. But as that was just it, it was it dawned on me that uh, as we go into this you know week of football, it doesn't feel like football. You know, Super Bowl's always gone by now. It's baseball. I can I can smell the baseball and feel the. You know the baseball feel right now, but football. You know is, I think for one, I think for one year, the high school kids being on a stage all by themselves, there's no college, there's no pro football. I mean, the, the newspapers are going to pay more attention, the radio stations yeah. going to pay more attention. We're going to pay more attention. So I think you know we're going to make lemonade, lemonade out of lemons and, and really have fun with it this year. Um, a sprint to the finish, every game counts. So it should be fun. We got a lot of fun on this show. The shows are going to be shorter, guys. I promise. Don't yeah. we, still got, we still got a lot of people to watch. Uh, Did you realize the NFL could get in 
the NFL can get in on this high school football season, and we all know how that could happen, don't we? David Tepper, make it happen. Get the football state championships to Bank of America Stadium. Let's go. I love it. I love it. All right. I'm Langston. That's Chris. That's Sam. That's Coach Grice. That's Dan Ross. That's Kenzie, the phenomenal teenage correspondent. I just, I'm just over the moon with you. You Thank choose you. between Alabama and who else? Who's it down to? Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee Alabama. Alabama. Going to SEC. SEC oh, country. Yeah. My frat brother, Gary Richmond. My good friend, Alex Bass. We are talking press. We'll be back next Monday with Sam Howell. See you next week. Ooh. Wow.